Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the stacks. This is Jay. This is this is Shanna, who was going to do the jellyfish song, and I just blanked on how it went. <laughs> this jellyfish jelly, song. Jellyfish. Yeah, that's it. I was going to go do the jelly jellyfish Shanna, just hmm. like that. I was going to do it that way. Complete do the monkey. With the failed deliberately. No, <laughs> don't do the monkey. <laughs> yeah, that's don't right. Don't be a donkey. Yeah. Uh, or even something funky. I don't know. Uh, bad song. Neil Sedaka, uh, not was, was not going to launch a dance craze, but, uh, we'll get to that in our our second part. So our first film, uh, is backlash 1956 film by John Sturgis, the earliest Western we've yet covered. Uh, I, I had a couple of things that I misremembered when we were, sort of previewing this last week that uh john sturgis goes back to the 40s not really the 20s but you know he'd been around for a while and he was uh, a film editor as far back as the 30s but he is he doesn't have relatives who are filmmakers there are several other directors who are sturgis but not related to him i guess oh okay okay but you know he's he's still one of the major guys and he sort of comes out of film noir and here is bringing a lot of that film noir grayness to the Western that maybe was not quite so common. So this is a semi-traditional Western. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I could tell immediately the difference between this and the Spaghetti Western, which in my experience prior to, well, prior to doing the show, I thought all spaghetti westerns were westerns and all westerns were spaghetti. I didn't know there was mm. subsets and different. Uh, and, and, and this isn't like those Clint Eastwood things that we've seen at all. No. But it's a lot of fun. This one's kind of more a psychological western. It uh, is. It, uh, it, it's very much about the characters and it's in their minds. It's a mystery, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we start with our lady hero, uh, Donna Reed, who is uh, very sexy in this. Like, oh my uh, fucking god! It's intentionally, just, I feel it. If it's not intentional, they freaking just they hit something that. Uh, well, it it reminds me of Johnny Guitar. Uh, which is another Western of this period that's kind of frequently cited in this regard. But like there, you know, she carries this whip. She's dressed all in black, which is usually coding for a bad guy in a Western. Uh, and she's, I wouldn't say she's bad, but I also wouldn't say she's good. She's gray, but everyone's she's gray. gray. Yep. You know, it, it, it is film noir as well. Well, no, some people aren't gray. Well, yeah, I mean, some people are just bad. Uh, <laughs> so you, but, you have to have your bad cowboys. Yeah, uh, but like I, I, I find her a very interesting character in that like she's pretty I, like I feel like she's more straightforward than anyone else in the movie. Uh, she knows exactly what she's about. She knows exactly what she's interested in, and she is sort of taking control of every situation. She's usually a few steps ahead of uh, our Jim Slater. Yeah, our me, our quote-unquote actual hero yeah like he is he, he does he, the hero work right and and traditionally he is the hero like he is the star richard widmark as jim slater but he is also not the first person introduced and he's kind of 
reactive most of the movie. She's ahead of him, and she's pretty much consistently ahead of the curve with him. Yeah, uh, I think Slater's an interesting character too, because mm. it feels well. Both of these got both of these characters feel like they're forcing themselves or being forced into uh, portraying gender stereotypes that they that really don't fit them. Like he's trying to be the super masculine hero guy who's cool and doesn't let anything bother him, but he gets bothered. He's very bothered. He's a very emotional Western hero, which is yeah. unusual for the genre. Yeah, whereas she's like – she wants to be the badass hero. She's she, – she has the chops to be the badass hero, but she's a girl, so she just can't. You just can't do it. Yeah, she, she's not really allowed to, although she, she is fairly yeah. successful at it at times. Oh, sure she does. She, and, yeah. and she – you know, she's – really dominant over him most of the time oh. <laughs> and so like we, that just anyway right, sorry yeah, go ahead yeah but like it, it's interesting the way that we do start with her like she is the first character that we see like she comes in she's a rider in black she's got a whip which is kind of kinky and she she's riding holds the whip she never uses it for whip well, she, purposes, but she holds yeah, it and she, she holds it well. Right. And it's, you know, it's an affectation. And that, that's why I do kind of feel like it, it's very distinct that there there is kind of supposed to be an air of kinkiness about it. Well, especially there's one scene we're going to get into. This. Well, yeah, exactly. But there's, there's I, no way that was accidental. Well, and it, it's also interesting just in light of it being Donna Reed, who you know, she was a TV sweetheart. She had the Donna Reed show. Uh, she was Mary Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, you know, the little tiny film. Uh, she's Jimmy Stewart's wife in that movie. Okay, I, I haven't seen anything else that she's been in. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and I haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, my God. But, yeah, you know, I'm like, major, must be the major only character. one in the world. Yeah, you got to be, because, like, I mean, it was a huge flop when it came out, but extremely successful in TV reruns. Oh, yeah, it's like the movie you watch at Christmas. It's a perennial. Uh, but, you know, it's it's her doing this, which is interesting, because I, I feel like it's sort of reflective of it, it, it's it's an early version of uh, a teen star doing like, I'm going to do something a little edgier. It sort of feels she's, like that. She's DiCaprioing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. I'm 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 here for it. But so we we see her writing up, and she is the first character we see, and then we're intru- we we see this other guy just uh re- with a gun on a rocky outcrop, and she sees him. I guess like I think she's sort of aware of him. We we don't like necessarily see her seeing I... him. I think she knows there's some at the very least I think she's she knows aware. that someone's after her right now. Yeah, and she doesn't really know what's going on with him, but she's willing to uh, uh figure it out however it needs to be figured out. <laughs> Figuring it out as she goes and uh, mm-hmm. she's good at it. Mm-hmm. So she rides up to this ruin, just this this burnt out ruin of a fort. And we're introduced to our main character, basically, Jim Slater, played by uh, Richard Widmark, who's awesome. I really love Richard Widmark. He's he's good at this. He's 
he's a fascinating character that I think that'd be a really difficult character to act, actually. Uh, I don't think Clint could do this character, for example. No, because he's too conflicted and like he's he's usually quasi heroic. He's supposed to be heroic. He's got most of the tropes, but he's he doesn't want to. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not what he wants to do. He he just kind of feels duty bound into it. And now he's sort of uh, and and there's, you know, some bloodline stuff and uh, all, all of this. But like he's he he. He's just huffy. He's very emotional. He he really doesn't want to be a part of this sort of thing. But he's completely doing it to himself. No one else mm-hmm. is asking him to do this. Um, there's gold involved, but he doesn't want it. He doesn't seem any he, interest yeah. to have any, any interest at all in the gold. Well, as the movie goes on, I'm beginning to believe that, yeah, he doesn't care about the gold, actually. It seems to be more about dad than anything yeah, else. Yeah, which, that's about right. Yeah, I mean it's it's an absent father movie in in a really big way uh, for oh, yeah. him, and, that, and that's sort of what drives him. Uh, but so he's digging, uh, and she thinks he's a gold hunter because there's this famous story of the Gila Valley, which is I guess where they are, as as we'll later find out. Yeah, some uh, some big massacre over a bunch of gold that's. Supposedly buried around here, we never really find out if it is or not, or where the gold is, do we? Uh, yeah, no, we we know because uh, someone made off with it and he he used it. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yes, of course. So by the time the movie begins, the gold is nowhere. The gold is spent. Yeah, it is spent. It is gone. Right, Uh, and he's not looking for gold anyway. He's digging graves. Yeah, he wants to find out what happened. To his dad. To his dad, who was who was involved in this massacre in some way. He yeah, was there. Don't know he, don't know what he was doing there, but he was there. He's pretty sure that he died here. Yes. That, that is his understanding. But we don't really know how he knows about any of it. And it, it is sort of interesting that we as the audience uh, are withheld quite a bit of information until far into it. Yeah. And, and then they kind of make a point of just always updating one another whenever one of them learns a new piece of information. So it's like, so, so it's like telling the audience, all right, just to remember these details will be important. Well, yeah. And it's also, these are the two characters that we're following. Yeah. So like, these are, we're, yeah. They're, uh, we're, we're, we're close in with them and, and they're obviously, you know, put together right at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's basically even like, hey, what's your name? I'm Carol. I'm Jim. Okay, well, hey, nice to meet you. Let's have some coffee. Oh, shit, guys are killing us. Yeah, they, they give their full names to each other. So it's like, okay, we, we're going to need to know these characters. We're getting their full names and who, what yeah. they're about. Right at the beginning, we got Carol Orton and Jim Slater. Real rugged, manly Western name, Jim Slater. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Carol with the Y, by the way, K-A-R-Y-L. Which is interesting. I was, I, I wasn't sure about, yeah, because like that's what it said in the subtitles. But I was like, is that mm-hmm. really how they're choosing to go with it? Okay, let's. Yeah. That's cool. I can t- I, I can live with it. Oh, I didn't mention uh, super scope, widescreen, Technicolor. This is one of the big Technicolor westerns from that era, and just the two to one. Oh big, right, big yeah, screen. it's old enough that there might have been. I, yeah, I guess color wasn't that common back then, was it? 
I mean, common, but, you know, this is technicolor, so it's that really rich, uh, bright color. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, great for the vistas of rocky Arizona valleys and mm-hmm. you know, all, all of these rocky outcrops and stuff. Lots of valleys we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Lots of places for people to get shot in. Well, and just huge vistas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, so like they talk for a bit and she asks him if he smokes and he doesn't and that's also something that I found interesting that she smokes and he doesn't. That, that's sort of yeah. also a, a, a sort of a role reversal Western line. Yeah, actually, I never even thought about that. But yeah, it, it's rare enough to see a cowboy who doesn't smoke, but I guess be super rare to see a lady who does. I mean, I guess probably a lot of people did, but that she's sort well, of yeah. a lady cowboy <laughs> well, who smokes and is tougher than him and has a whip and all yeah. of that. Uh, but yeah, so she asks him, like, well, could you maybe get my cigarettes out of my saddlebag? And like, kind of knowing that there's a guy with a gun over there and just kind of playing out to see what happens if he takes a shot at this dude or what's up. Is he with him, maybe? Yeah. Because like she I, I, I'm assuming that at this point she really doesn't know what his deal is and she's not sure if maybe that guy is with him. And yeah, like, yeah. Like. If if he doesn't shoot at him, maybe they're in league together and she's in real trouble with these two. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I do feel she's kind of just trying to suss out who's on whose side. Did she just randomly stumble upon a stranger or is this part of part of the ambush? Right. And I like that we we are uh, often unsure of her motives, that like she's usually a step ahead and she'll usually share information. But. She's ahead of him enough that it does kind of seem like maybe she is looking to get the gold and fox him out. And maybe she, her intentions are not pure. And it's it's never really clear until like the very end of the movie where like they're kind of having the big emotional revelations and discussions about stuff. Yeah. And, and like even earlier on, she even says, no, I'm actually here for the gold. Let's, let's mm-hmm. not mince words. I'm here for the gold. And so are you. No, I'm not. Yes. You are. Yes, you are. But he's not, but you know, of course, who's going to believe that? Right. So the the guy, of course, up on the rocky crag, shoots at him, uh, and you know he jumps back. He's like, "Get them yourself!" And he he like pushes her out there, and the guy doesn't shoot at her. Uh, yeah. So so now Jim's like, "Okay, so you're who the hell is that guy. guy?" Right. And she's like, and she's like "I don't know. I really I don't, don't know who he is." I. Yeah, so so they have a, I guess a shootout with this guy. Well, he runs and leaps full tilt on her horse and rides off with it. And right. The gunman <laughs> shoots the horse and kills it, and he like yeah. bails off the horse and takes shelter. But like he's gotten to the rock formation, like the foot of the rock formation. The guy's on. Oh yeah, and he's like throwing the rocks to uh, to make the sound because the guy to like kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like draws right, right. fire and stuff. And we, we sometimes get some shots from the shooters POV, which are uh, pretty incredible vistas sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like the first we get some looking down at Slade. Sometimes he's just sort of barely visible as he like creeps around and is, is getting a better vantage point. Uh, and like there there's some just great shots of like we'll see the guy and just like sheer rock face and just 
huge green brown plains just stretching as far as the eye can see yeah <laughs> uh but so so ultimately slater he loops around he finds a way up like one of the sides and they have a shootout from different little they, they get behind different rocks and shoot it out with each other um slater ends up winning yep uh, the guy's reloading and he gets him he falls off the thing and then goes to inspect the body and oh no oh fuck there's a problem he's a deputy sheriff or at least he's got a deputy sheriff badge on him yeah so he's like he says to carol he's like hey are you sure you don't know who this guy is it's like i i really don't uh he's like i'll tell you something i bet you do know you're pretty good looking (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if it's at this point where she's like oh my god i can use this fucker probably but i i do like that it's it's one it's it's both flirting and him kind of being aware that she knows her power as a very uh, pretty woman in the west yeah He's like something i bet you do know you're pretty good looking well like yeah she does because here like when she dresses herself up i mean well I mean, I think I prefer her current <laughs> look, but, you know, yeah. when she dresses herself up, she looks very traditional, sexy Western woman. Almost unrecognizable at times. too. Yeah, like, like I wasn't sh- when she was wearing the dress later on. I wasn't sure it was her at first. When she shows up on the stagecoach, it's like, is yeah, that I'm like, oh, yeah, that is her. Uh, like, you just got Oh, my God. Get out of that dress and back into your pantsuit and just hold the whip. You never even have to use just hold the thing, please. Mm hmm. But yeah, she's like, yeah, okay, okay, you're charming, fine. Yeah, and he is. He he cracks some he cracks some jokes. I really like Widmark, uh, and he's like, well, I guess I'm just gonna take this body to Silver City. I'm like, why is that? Well, the badge says that's where he came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they do, and it's yeah. like, hey, um, I mean, like, good on them. They're like, well, I mean, well. We'll face up to it. This guy <laughs> shot at us first. Yeah, yeah. And they do, and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, he really was one of my deputies, but he was also a dick. Well, he's and... like, at first, the sheriff is willing to be mad at him. It's like, that's one of my deputies. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, uh, Jim is like, yeah, you should pick and choose him better. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where he admits, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, I understand. It's not a good family. And, like, listen, he's got some brothers who are going to be coming after you pretty soon. And I just don't want to deal with this. Yeah, so it's like, I'll give you the information you look for if you leave town. Yeah, so, like, first, uh, there's this thing where he wants him to take the gun off. Oh, yeah, right. There's, There's a few different places where they ask him, it's like, all right, you can talk to us, but take your gun off. And he's like, no. Yeah, and I like it. He's sort of explaining his his encounter with the deputy. And the sheriff tells him once to, he, he interrupts him while he's uh, talking. He's like, I'd like you to take the gun off. And he just keeps talking and ignores him. And yeah. he says it again, just like with very quiet menace, like, don't push it. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And he does not ask him again. No. <laughs> He's like, I recognize your stance, the way you wear your gun, uh, which I think is very interesting in light of 
who oh, turns yeah, out in light to of, be uh, his dad. Yeah. Uh, I didn't catch I didn't catch that the first time, but yeah, that's uh yeah, in that he probably does recognize the dad, but he hasn't, maybe he hasn't put it together, or he is just kind of letting it slide to see the way things work out. Because we don't really see this sheriff again. No, he doesn't this. come back. I, I think he might be like, hmm, last time I met a guy who had a stance like that, he was a it was bad. real nasty piece of shit. That's an outlaw stance. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I do like his response to that. It's like, well, the way you wear your gun, that seems pretty familiar. I'm like, seems like a handy way to wear it. <laughs> yep. So he, he explains, you know, he's in Gila Valley because he was looking for his father's grave because he's pretty sure he died in an Apache siege there with four other dudes. So here's where we start to get the backstory as it very slowly filters out. Yeah, so um, four... Four or five, oh, no, it's five people are buried there, um, right. and one person ran away and let them all get massacred. Right, and Slater is sure there's this other guy who escaped, and the sheriff's like, well, I don't really know about a sixth guy. And he's like, I know that there is this sixth guy, and he doesn't, we, we don't know for quite some time why he knows, yeah. but he does know. Uh, and he's hunting for this sixth guy because he could have gotten the cavalry, and he didn't. Because yeah. he, he just let them get killed instead. Yeah, the sixth uh, guy might not have killed his father, but let him die. Right. And we also learned that the deputy who he killed was Tom Welker, and his brother was one of the five guys, one of the guys who was buried there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, his other two brothers are going to be very upset about this and are going to be coming for you, and they're nasty pieces of work. The whole family, they're all bad. And... Uh, and here we or well here we hear about our first mini boss threat right so the, the these guys kind of suck yeah. well, i, I mean, don't know if they show up don't. right away but, but they suck mm, not for a little bit but yeah they, they show up in a couple different towns and are sort of taken out very instantly both times but uh the sheriff is like i want you out of town there there's no gunfights allowed in silver city i'll hang the man that wins Right, right. Oh, yeah. And it's like this whole thing. It's like, well, I can't leave town. I'm looking for something. Are you looking for information? If I give you the information, will you leave town? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Because he's he's wanting to send them with the mail. He's like, you go with the mailman to Tucson and just get out of my town. I don't want to deal with this. And the mailman's like, he's still wearing his gun. Like, you want to take (laughs) it away from him? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's. And Sorry, Carol is willing to go. She's like, yeah, fine. I'll take the mail truck. I don't care. I, I, I know there's more more information to be found in Tucson. She's a, she's already ahead of Slade. Yeah, which I don't think we know that yet. No, we do not. Because she, we later on find out that she got to the sergeant first, but that's... Right. She's playing yeah. very close to the vest all the time. Yes. Uh, But, like, because she now owns Welker's horse because he killed hers and is now dead. He's right. like, uh, she, he, he's willing to buy the horse from her. She's like, you can have it. I, it, it didn't even occur to me that I owned it now. You just take it. Yeah, it's great. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's when they have the exchange. They're like, I came here for information. I'm like, and if you got it, I'd leave. Yeah. Then the sheriff's like, well, wouldn't it have just been easier for you to just, leave on the stagecoach i didn't yeah, have the information I about 
George yeah. Lake. Yeah, Sergeant George Lake was the guy who buried the bodies. In Tucson, yeah. In tu- or in, uh, he's in Tucson. Yeah, he he's in Tucson. He buried the bodies Valley. in Gila Valley. And yeah. so he's, he's like, all right, well, now I'll go and I'll meet that guy. And he gets to the fort. And the general there is like, oh, yeah, there was a Miss Horton, Miss Orton asking for that guy, too. Uh, but <laughs> yep. he's gone. He's at Benton's trading post. There's Apache trouble there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so he uh, gets on the road to the trading post and waits for the stagecoach. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he does seem is like, oh, yeah, it. There is Apache trouble there. There is indeed Apache trouble. There I cannot roll Apache into town trouble. on my own. <laughs> yes. It, it would be bad. Uh, yeah. It's it's a little bit under siege. So he waits. And he, <laughs> a he little bit it. under siege. I love that. Yeah, just, just a little bit. Uh, and the stagecoach with Miss Orton arrives because he, yeah, he and manages to get their head. But here she's wearing, you know, a dress and looking like a girl who's going to travel on a stagecoach rather than. Yeah, you know. she she's a she's uh not undercover, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, red dress. Uh, and yeah. you know, the, he he meets up with the stagecoach and he rides in with them at the same time because he needs the extra firepower. They shoot it out with Apaches the whole way. I I guess that's notable. Is this is the first western we've watched that deals with natives? Actually, yeah, it is because they they don't show up in a fistful of dollars or in Sartana or yeah. Like quick and the dead like, just had that one guy, the one guy, but yeah, it's who cannot be killed by bullets. He cannot be killed by bullets, but uh, yeah, no, they no, sometimes they'll mention natives, but they never have to deal with them in any of the movies right. we've watched before. And here they're kind I'm of just barely. real yeah, I'm just real glad we never got close-ups on them because I'm sure it would have been real racist. Well, yeah, it, it does kind of seem like most of them are in brownface. But I, I think that's also a Sturgis thing is, like, he was not racist for the most part, as far as I understand. Like, he was a pretty liberal guy. So he just kind of didn't it, – like, it, it's a trope. You kind of had to have the native threat in there, but he just yeah. kind of leaves it as just an anonymous threat in the background rather than uh, him – uh, really closely engaging with it or anything. Yeah, yeah, they're just kind of. We have no native characters. No, uh, so not like, at all. It, it's sort of debatable whether that's good or bad with, the, with them just sort of as an anonymous threat politically. That's you know mixed yeah, things. Yeah, it's a little yeah. It is kind of good that we're kind of not dealing with them, and they're not really the main villains. They're they're just sort yeah. of a side threat. They're they're part yeah, of the yeah. West. So I, I kind of think that it's it's reasonably well handled in that regard as best as they can in this era. True, true. So uh, they they arrive, they they get to Benton's trading post, and pretty much right away the Apaches bust the corral and steal all of the horses. So they're pretty trapped. Yeah. So this is this is cool because here we've got like Western cowboy stunts. Hmm. Um, like the chase getting to the outpost and then the stealing of the horses. This you don't really see in the spaghetti western. Right. This is more the classic Hollywood. The uh, stuff that they got the real actual cowboys to show up on stage and or on screen and do in the yeah, old days. The 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 horse opera. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
yeah so, so this was really cool like there's all these horses and yeah it's, it's fast paced. You got a lot of action. You got people on horses shooting at each other and you've got people with shotgun on the top of the stagecoach shooting at them. Yeah, you you know, got people falling off of horses, horses um, tumbling and stuff. Yeah. All, all of the classic stuff. But yeah, like you said, which I never noticed because I'd only ever watched the spaghetti Westerns. Never a wound, just shot, yeah. smoke, fall down. Yeah. No, there's there's never any blood from any uh, wounds. People just get, you know, they they fall, they die. <laughs> they fall, they die. They like, die of being shot. This is almost like I don't know what the rate, actual rating is, but this could almost be G rated. Well, this is before there were ratings. Yeah, I guess I guess it would be. So everything was just sort of uh, just the was. code. Yeah. Some movies were just like for adults and kids wouldn't go to them, but this would be just whoever wanted to go to it. It's it's a western, oh, yeah. so it's for oh, yeah. all ages. <laughs> like like sorry, yeah, G for G rated isn't really the word I was looking for. Maybe more family friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they have a, a bunch of shooting. You know, they they uh they're they're shooting it out with the Apaches and Slater kind of bonds with Sergeant Lake who is uh, an ornery old dude. I really like him. He's, he's fun. Um, yeah. And they decide they're going to go on this mission to startle the horses. Uh, I, I like that first though. Uh, he, he, uh, he, there, there's the guy Benton who owns the fort. Who oh, is kind this of a turd. fucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he, he kind of just like, nobody likes him. And we don't, I, I don't think it's clear what it is that Benton did that pissed off the natives, but uh, he they sold want them him. shitty guns, among okay. other things. We at least know that he sold their shitty guns, okay. which is why they aren't winning this fight. Right. And and they just want him. And he's like, you know, they just want you. Maybe we could be fort sensible about this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you, you wouldn't do that, would you? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. He seemed like kind of a turd. Maybe we should. Yeah, because like he's he's talking really big up to that point, and he's like, uh, like, well, I, I don't like you guys drinking that coffee without paying. You should be paying for that coffee. Oh yeah, right, right, yeah. Because of course this is his trading post. Right. Right. He's because they're the under right siege. Now. Yeah, and he's just kind of. I, I, yeah, I keep forgetting that this isn't a fort. Mm-hmm. This is this, a trading this is a post. This is a trading post that soldiers happen to be stuck in. Right. So it's like, oh, you should be paying for that coffee. And it's like, hey, why don't like, we hand you, you over to the for, natives? How about that? Yeah, You should be paying for our hired for our guns protection. Yeah. And so like he uh, Lake talks to both Orton and Slater a little bit about Gila Valley. Uh, and yeah. like he doesn't say anything to Slater. But when Orton's got him outside, he starts to tell her about uh, the bodies he buried. So there were three that were identified. Yeah, Welker, Turnbloom, and Gibson. Right. And Welker was no good. <laughs> Welker was no good. Underline that right away. Like Welker a was bad no, guy. The the whole clan just absolute just garbage. The bad family, top to bottom. And the other two bodies were unidentifiable. Yeah. And um, like Orton said, Orton tells him, like, listen, well, my husband died there. So I do feel that this gold is partially mine. And she, this is the first time she's like, I am after the gold. This gold belongs to me. Yeah. 
we we don't know the story about her and her husband. And no. it's interesting because it's not long after this, I think, that she starts kind of flirting with the uh, Jim a little bit. Yeah. Actually, I mean, yeah, she, it's right after this because he this is where he gets injured, isn't it? Honestly, kind of right from the beginning. She she's well, sort of yes, into him right away. Yeah. So yeah, see she. <laughs> This is, yeah, this is I think the first we mention we hear mention of a husband, mm-hmm. and uh, nothing about the way she's acting suggests a husband, but there is again more to the story that we don't know yet. Right. So th- this is where he comes up with the plan. They're, we're going to go to the camp. We'll find where they've got the horses corralled in the, the hills. We'll stampede them, and then we'll, and meanwhile everyone will load up and escape in the coach. Oh yeah, but first Jim has to try to try to kiss Carol until she likes it. There's one thing I've always wanted to say to you that from the moment I met you. Yeah. Goodbye. Then smooch then she slaps him and he's yeah. like, Oh, goodbye. <laughs> and I'm like totally expecting him to be like the wolf the cartoon wolf gif with the um the eyes bugging out of the wah woo guy. The tongue the, lolling, yeah. Yeah, hey. yeah. And I'm just like, I mean, I would. Well, but, yeah, it's also. <laughs> but I also kind of, wouldn't force a kiss on her. But you know, it it also kind of feels like him play acting, because it's very oh, big yeah. and it's out of character for the way it, he it's acts. It's really any other out of time. character, actually. Yeah. Like the, yeah. This is also where we learn uh, uh, both Slater and Lake are are sort of bonding, and we learn that they both fought in the Civil War. That Lake yeah. fought for the North and Slater fought for the South. Yeah, yeah. what was oh, – I can't remember what he said. It's like he had – it's like, what are you, after a medal? Oh, I've already got one. Yeah. Bet you wish you had sold it after – or bet you would have traded it for food after the surrender. Yeah, like, sure would've. would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and like, there, there's a couple little things they do where it was like, well, it's uh, something I learned from a Southerner. It's like, oh, that's something I learned from a Northerner. Yep. <laughs> Like, I, I think the first thing is, you know, it's, they go out after he gets slapped and uh, Lake knows these Apache bird calls that he says oh, he learned yeah. from a southern, or a southerner. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting. Like these these two have put the war behind them, it seems like, mm-hmm. at least in terms of talking t- to each other. Yeah, in terms of the war, it, it just kind of doesn't really matter. Like it, it, we're in the Reconstruction era and it's like we, we just we're putting that behind us. We're in the we're in the West now. Uh, and the the West is uh, a completely different abstract entity from North and South. Yeah, it's not a yeah that doesn't uh, matter as much, mm. I guess. And it's kind of true of the West Coast. <laughs> well, <laughs> to, to yeah, a certain degree, yeah. anyways. Uh, so they they stampede the horses. Uh, uh, well, or first you know Slater jumps and battles and kills a guard. They stampede the horses. Uh, Lake gets shot while they're escaping oh yes yes and then and then here it's like link's having his dying words and jim's like i i don't know how he really phrases it but i i just imagined it like uh okay i know this is a really awkward time but i feel like i'm not gonna get a better opportunity to ask you about this pretty much it's like <laughs> so about what happened the Gila valley you know and it's like okay, uh, okay fine, here's i'll the tell you so, but don't don't go after this, son. Yeah, this is bad. This is all bad news. Yeah. Uh, and 
he finds that one of the two unidentified men that they buried had no left hand and that yeah. it was missing before the massacre. Yeah. And the other one was unidentifiable. Yeah, just completely like, disfigured. There's yeah. no way to identify him in any way. And they also yes. found one horse, Stray, that probably belonged to a sixth man that had a Diamond C brand on it, uh, yep. which is the Carson Ranch just beyond Sierra Blanca. Useful info. Maybe this Carson might know something. That's a lot of very important stuff. And then we, we cut back to town and we find that the Welker brothers are are on Slater's trail. This is our first uh, appearance of the Welker brothers. Do you recognize one of them? Uh, no, but I, well, when you say the name, because like they do have the familiar dyma- dynamic of big fat and little skinny dude. Yeah, so and, Tony Welker, the one who lasts a little bit longer, uh, is the Harry Skinny dude. Yeah, Harry Morgan, uh, Colonel Potter on Mash. Oh, okay. Uh, he he's uh, the the partner in the '60s version of Dragnet stuff. Oh, yeah. okay. He's cool. a little, little kind of a legendary guy. He's in loads and loads of stuff. I did not recognize him until like that last appearance of him. I was like, oh, holy crap, that's a really young Harry Morgan. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So is this where they is this where they they find Carol or is that later? Well, first they run into Benton and they're like, oh, did he die? Yeah. He's like, oh, and, and Welker's or uh, Benton's just like filling out a bunch of forms like I yeah, guess that's insurance right. forms. Yeah, or something for it's like, yeah. So, yeah, no, he he, oh, yeah, he definitely died with Sergeant Wood. Did you oh, see yeah. him die? He's like, oh, yeah, he he definitely died. And like, did he die slow? Like slow definitely oh yeah absolutely and like oh okay well cool he's just agreeing with whatever he just wants to get rid of these guys i love it and then they go to the the saloon and run into miss orton and who she she's like talking about it already and they overhear and she's hopeful that he's made it so they're like oh okay and they start kind of harassing her and the i think it's harry or, or Tony, who's about guy. to take her upstairs. Yeah, the oh, big the, guy's about to take is the her big upstairs. Guy? Oh, okay, Jeff, then. Yeah. Uh, so and he, that's he's, when Jim comes in. Right, and she kind of briefly has an exchange with him, but then she pointedly calls him Mr. Slater. And they're like, oh, holy shit, it's, it's, this is the guy we're looking for. It's like, <gasps> Slater? It's like, it's like it triggers their... The, the Kill Bill sound of these two. Mm, but... You know, he shoots both of them, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> and it it seems almost like he's killed both of them, but he's only killed one of them. One of them is going to yes. show up again way later. And do absolutely nothing. But yeah, it's but it'll, except up. for make us laugh. Yeah. So he he is also wounded in the fight. His left shoulder is grazed and he oh, slaps okay. her. So here is where. Yes. Yeah. He slaps her because she basically you set me up. You set me again. up again. Again. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm not done doing that, by the way. Right. And this is the first of quite a few times in the movie that he rides off in a huff. Yeah, here's where I'm just imagining him being like, I'm tired of the world. <laughs> yeah, he just gets very upset and like he gets very emotional. He's like, I'm out of here. I, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah, he takes his horse and he just fucks off. Yeah, he just goes and finds a cave to, like, hang out outside of town. He's like, I'm going to be alone. Deal with these people. (laughs) 
She finds him almost immediately. Yeah, she rides out of town and finds his little camp. Uh, and this is a really hot, crazy scene. Good lord. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, he's all... Oh god, can I even do this? Can I even... Well, okay, so she... he. <laughs> She gives him a painkiller first, and she, we don't really get any <laughs> indication of what it is, but it must be something very powerful. She's oh, like I a, love this. An he's old like a, southern remedy. Yeah, he's like, is it arsenic? And she's like, could be. <laughs> and like, well, I'll try it anyway. <laughs> uh, and it she, works real like, good, though. It works really well, and like she is heating up her big knife in the the fire right, all the she's time. She's heating up the knife in the fire, and like, she's, and she's like takes out her weapon, just like puts it in his mouth. It's like, you're going to want to bite on this. <laughs> and then she starts. Oh my God. She starts burning him when she, you know, she's cauterizing the wound, but she's like, kind of like doing it on and off. Just kind of uh, tell. And like, while she's doing it, she's telling him off for like all of the stuff that she's been dealing with from him. It's like, you son of a bitch. I'm like, why are you like this? Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's hot. It's great. Oh, it's so it's almost a BDSM scene. It's very it weird. Is. And it's like just, oh my gosh. It gets extremely charged, especially the movie's called Backlash. And, the, the, you know, when we're thinking of whips in this movie, this is really the only whip scene. So This it, is the only time the whip gets used for anything other than making her look hot. Yeah. So I, I find it interesting that it kind of makes its way to the title, the, the lash of it. Uh, and, yeah, it just seems like a, a really bizarre moment in this movie. That's like, oh, weird. And then they cuddle after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like she also like takes off her top and mm-hmm. uses that to wrap up the wound. And then and yeah, they cuddle. They cuddle. And, and she starts to tell him a bit about her husband, Paul, uh, who never came home after the Civil War. Right. Yeah. So, Paul. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny that the, like they've just had this whole super sexy thing, and then he's like, oh, yeah, tell me about your husband. And she's like, okay. Yeah, and he's like, okay, well, he, he never came home, and it's like he, he was very jealous, and he left her because she was sleeping with Yankees uh, to keep alive during to, the war. Yeah, to freaking not starve to death from lack of money. Yeah, and can't you know, blame her for this. Very obviously, she is someone who takes care of herself and is tough and is, you know, resolute and doing all of these things. So, yeah, she's very no nonsense. Like, well, he didn't like me being this sort of woman. So to hell with him. But I want the money. Yeah. Uh, and it, there's this thing like, yeah, and he I can't remember. What was it like? He says something like, was it a mistake? And she like thinks for a moment and then they right. kiss. Yeah. But then he gets knocked out by the painkiller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's commenting on like, oh, this is a really good painkiller. And, he, and yeah, he's sort of like half awake and he starts to tell her the rest of the information while he's just drifting. Yep. And then when he falls asleep, she discovers a bit more information. She finds a note that he had. A dear Martha. <laughs> His mom, Martha. Dearest Martha. In, it, interestingly, uh, dated June 7th, the day that we're recording this. Yes, I oh, I was looking at that. I was like, hey, Funny wait. coincidence. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, 
he he does very specifically note here uh we're going to go together like i uh, will we'll go together to sierra blanca where he he has decided to team up with her as he's kind of drifting to sleep here yeah uh so the letter it mentions that his dad and his five associates notably yep so that puts the team at six which is so that's how he knows which is yeah that's that's good i like that because it's still unclear he just knows that there were six guys there but but yeah i guess yeah who lived who died we only know three who died and And we know two others died but we don't know which of the ones left survived right and the next morning uh or, 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 or so the, the the letter is to the mother and it's like pass yeah. this on to our son jim because his dad abandoned him when he was really young he's yeah, like he well never met his father yeah it's he's never met him. issues right uh and the next morning jim tells uh Ms. Orton about his dream of starting a ranch near gila valley and it's like oh there's this spot that's got good grass and you know good water and access and I it just if I just had a little bit of money, I could start a thing up that, you know, I that I'd be totally happy with that. Yeah. Carol's like, well, why don't you just do it? Just go and do that. He's like, no, I got to do this thing. Well, and at this point, she's like, I think you're too into the thrill of manhunting. I. I don't I can see how somebody would think that at this point, but. Which does not seem to be the case. No, I I don't think that's that's not really accurate to how things ultimately go with him. But I I do feel like he is very driven to resolve the dad thing. Uh, And I I feel like he cannot rest until that's resolved one way or another, Uh, even if it's not like not necessarily a vengeance trip as just he needs to figure this out so that he can move on with his life. Yeah, he just needs closure. Right. Uh, so they they head to Carson's. Uh, and here's where we meet my uh, favorite character, <laughs> Johnny Cool. When Moody we Campbell first as see Johnny him, cool. when we first see him, like he looks like he's he's presented like he's only just going to be an extra. Like he's with this other guy. He's lower ranked than this other guy. And he's just like <sighs> randomly started shooting at them instantly as they show up yeah. on the and the other guy's like, what are you? T- t- stop that. Stop that. And Jim's like, oh, no, not again. A man can get tired of being shot at. Yeah. And the guy's like, hey, you're trespassing and uh, I'm going to shoot you. And the guy's like, hey, stop fucking pulling your gun out all the time. What's with you? You work for Mr. Carson. You don't just fucking shoot people. It's like, nobody interrupts my draw. It's yeah, like, well, the the nobody interrupts my draws later with the at the bar, but yeah. Oh, like, okay. He's just being such a weirdo about it. He's he's very well, obviously like this hot shot trigger happy guy. He kind of reminds me of Leo in Quick and the Dead, like an overgrown does. version of him, like yeah. a, a version of him that like went on another ten years without getting any closure and has become just really really horrible about it. Well. It feels like whatever motivations or character or like goals he had just flew out the mi- the window the moment he met Jim. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like as soon as he sees here. him, it's like, oh, my God, I need to have a gunfight with this man right now. I, I don't him. know why. Yeah. There's suddenly they, there's this energy. 
Uh, and also, it should be noted that Johnny Cool looks exactly like what you think a Johnny Cool character from the fifties would look like, but with a cowboy hat. Yeah, and he has a pompadour. It's amazing. Yeah, he he's kind of almost dressed the way. Uh, <laughs> he he's like a greaser or, or or like a West Side Story. Well, I was thinking that he's dressed a lot like Carol was at the first scene. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> he's kind of dressed the same way. They've both got the same all black and leather ensemble. Uh, he doesn't have a whip. He has a gun. Mm-hmm. But, you know. It, it, Which he really wants to use. Oh, he's pulling it out and spinning it and shooting it a lot. <laughs> uh, and so they, they pair up to ride back to the ranch because these guys want to see the major, Major Carson, who runs the place. Yeah. And Johnny, the whole way back, just being annoying, <laughs> droning. I'm off, a faster like, gun than you. I can uh, shoot better than you. I'm better yeah, than you uh, at guns. Uh, everyone west of the Pecos thinks they're fast, but uh, uh, yeah, please, uh, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you, and what? And I want to do a gunfight with you, and yeah, I, I think I, I'm better than you. Yeah, I like it's like I don't like it, and uh, uh, Jim is like. Oh, that makes me very unhappy. It's like, I like your woman. Does that make you very unhappy? I was like, I don't really believe that. <laughs> I don't really believe that either. <laughs> He's like, like, I, I, sorry, I understand this. I understand this super macho character, and I know how to goad him into getting into a gunfight with me, but he doesn't realize that he is not faced with a super macho character. No, very notably, Whitmark is not the the macho archetype. He's he's playing a different thing, uh-huh. which is compelling. Uh, but so they they get to Carson's and Jim. We we go through another thing of him. Like I'm not taking off this gun. Yep. Like take off that gun belt. Like no, no, I don't think so. And like well, okay. And like Johnny Cool is is wanting to fight him again, right? Then like Carson's like, okay, stop it, Johnny. No, no, no. Just you'll have. Plenty to do in the morning. There'll be so much gunfighting in the morning. Just, just, just wait. And Johnny's you know, like, okay, fine. The, the, the morning. You and gotta wait like till pointed, till Christmas morning to open your presents, Johnny. <laughs> and he pointedly looks at Jim. He's like, morning. Tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. See you in the morning. <laughs> and uh, Carson offers Jim a job because you know they're they're heading into a range war here, but we we don't quite know that yet. He's just like. You want a job? You seem like a guy who knows how to use a gun. I could use men. I don't care what, how good you are, who you are. Uh, you shoot like some people for me. Yeah, but he needs a lot of men. I can, I need more. Yeah. And he goes inside, and we see a picture of Carson's son after the Civil War, where he has a missing hand. Yep, which means we've identified. We've identified number, number four. Number four, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Carson comes in and he's like, okay, so yeah, that's my son. He died at Gila Valley. Uh, and don't know. Uh, and, and right now we're being troubled by this organized outlaw gang uh, led by a Jim Bonniewell. Now, Jim Bonniewell, he had, he just had, rolled into town with $60,000 one day, bought up a whole bunch of land and other shit, but he didn't buy cows, and yet he has cows. Somehow he's got this 5000 ahead of cattle that he 
definitely stole from all of us. Like he he's like me and the rest of the ranchers are, are absolutely sure that this guy is stealing our cattle. He is an outlaw and he just kind of magically arrived out of nowhere with this $60,000 and $60,000 as we've learned previously is the amount of money that was at Gila Valley. And they also they also make a point to mention he's this guy is going by the name of Jim Bonnewell. Right. So who is he really? Oh hell. And uh, so we know immediately here, like, okay, so Bonnywell was the sixth man, but who yeah. was he before? So he so um Jim puts it together that Bonnywell must be Carol's husband. Must well, be. But yeah, however, like so so uh Carson says that Bonnywell came to him and he and like explicitly clarifies like he came here from Gila Valley and he told him about his son's death there and he told them about their lucky strike. So it's like, okay, this is definitely the guy. Yeah. And he's like, well, uh it it, it has to be your husband. And she's like, did you ever think that it could be your father? <laughs> this is another one where he's like what? 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 I'm tired of the world. It's like, what? excuse me, what? And she's like, she's like, okay, listen, I looked in your stuff and I saw the letter from your mom, and that is just like a letter from my husband. It's another letter from a man who ran out on his wife. So, if it's my husband or if it's your dad. And I'm not saying it's your dad. It's probably my husband. You know, it, it feels like Hooper in Jaws. Like, it's probably the right shark. But, you know, we should probably just find out about it before yeah, we exactly. go off half-cocked. <laughs> and, of course, Jim is like, yes, find out, find out. Got to do this. I still have this mission. Got to do it. Yeah, and she's like, I, I really like her putting together and, like, that your dad is as bad as my husband. These are both bad people that we do not want to reconnect with. Yeah. Uh, the The money would be great to have. But uh, we we don't want to reconnect with these bad people in our lives. That's not a good idea. And she's like, well, if it is your dad, will you kill him? And he rides off in a huff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's what makes it go. I'm tired of yeah. the war world. Yeah. And so we, we, we see this range war starting to begin. And he's ridden off before he's really gotten any information about what's actually going on in town. Yeah. Other than, like, there, there is this uh, beef Carson's with meeting up with the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Well, they're well. Uh, Jim and Carol are talking. Yeah, and and after he leaves, he starts talking to the sheriff about you know uh, arranging these guys and when they're going to do this and everything. Uh, but he takes off and he goes into town. Yeah, and we cut in town where there's double agent Johnny Cool. Oh, Johnny Cool, been working for Mister Bonnewell the whole time. Mister Bonnewell, sir. Mister. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think he like even he does have him, a yeah he, he does he have calls a him Jim sir, at first. It's like, what did yeah. you just call me? It's like it's Mr. Bonnewell, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to call me Jim. Mm-hmm. And Bonnewell's look like okay, we've got probably let me put it together with the hired guns he probably has and the different ranchers that don't like me. About a hundred and seven guys are headed this way tomorrow, but eh, it's fine. I'm not worried about it. You you go get some reinforcements. All of my guys, go get reinforcements. Just go get it. Go get some guys. Just go get them. There's mm-hmm. lots. There's just guys can, around. It's it's the old west. You can find gunfighters. That's true. But 
<laughs> but the problem, as we'll find out about the gunfighters, is nobody wants to work these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, working conditions <laughs> may play a factor. Working, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, we don't, yeah. So, so Jim Stump, <clears throat> Jim storms in. He he walks into the bar and he orders a whiskey. And Johnny, I was like, oh my god, it's it's my guy. He he this comes is a up. Guy I want to abandon my entire goal and life dreams in order to kill. Yeah, I I I gotta do something with this guy. I can't figure it out. And he he comes up and Jim tells the bartender, eh, give the boy a glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And. Johnny, like, intentionally just kind of, like, bumps into him to spill his drink. And then he says to him, like, I did that on purpose. I did that on purpose. And Jim punches him. And this is where he has the, like, he, he's going to draw on him and Bonnie will oh, yeah, none of that Bono. tonight. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, not having Bono any of that shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and he slaps notably, Johnny. Notably, Jim, Jim doesn't really look back at Bonnewell here. Never. he's got his own once. thing. Yep. There's, there's actually a whole there, there's like two extended sequences where the two of them are involved where they pointedly do not look at each other's faces which is really odd because they wouldn't recognize each other anyways yeah but well, yeah so, who knows but you know he slaps johnny he's like go go gather men like i said i don't have time for this nonsense <laughs> and bonnywell talks to jim he's like you you should be worried johnny's very fast and ruthless but uh, all right, I'm, I'm going to leave then without you ever turning around to look at the person who just uh, stopped this guy from shooting you. Whatever. It's <laughs> like, I saved your life. It's like, well, you didn't save my life from Johnny Cool. Come on. No, you, you know, come on. <laughs> Although we do find out that Johnny can mostly put his money where his mouth is. Mostly. Right. Yeah. Later. Uh, but, but I really like this moment with her, like, Bonnie while asking him these questions and like, all right, okay, well, uh, see you then. And <laughs> Jim turns to the bartender. He's like, "Where can I find Jim Bonniewell?" <laughs> like, the bartender yep. like kind of leans forward, and there's like a long pause, and like, "Friend of yours? <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you saw him? When's the last time you saw Why him? Like, matter? it was a really long time ago." Uh, <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, well, I'll tell you where to ride to get to the ranch." And then the sheriff and the deputy are coming in, and they're like, this guy must be a spy. He's going to go work for Jim Bonnewell. He's a bad guy. Let's just arrest him. Yep. So they put him in jail. And we come to the next morning. And Miss Orton rides into town looking for Jim Bonnewell as well. The first time she's been a little bit behind. Uh Uh, But she comes into the bar and the remaining Welker brother is waiting. Uh, Harry Morgan. This is where I finally recognize like, yo, that's Harry Morgan. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's looking for Slater, of course. And then Johnny cool comes in looking for Slater too. Everybody's looking for Slater. You know, when, when Poochie's not around, everybody should, everybody ask. should be talking about where's Poochie. <laughs> uh, and you know, he finds out that, uh, Johnny Cool wants to go kill Slater and he's like, well, I want to kill Slater and they get into a duel and he's, of course, instantly killed. Oh, uh, he goes down <laughs> so hard, so fast. Like nothing. Uh, rest in peace, entire Welker family. I, I guess <laughs> we won't have a voice acting. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sound wave is just going to have to be wave. <laughs> uh, so Johnny also shoots a bit at the sheriff, you know, just for funsies. 
<laughs> I, I missed you on purpose, but when I fight Jim, I'm not going to miss. I'm going to, like, fight, shoot him, like, for real and hit him. And it's barely an exaggeration. Like, he's constantly like, well, I missed the I, – I'm just f- having fun shooting at the sheriff and intentionally missing. But I'm going to hit the person I want to hit, which is Johnny, which is Jim. I want to hit him. Like, really he spells him. out – he spells out everything he's doing. He spells out how he's insulting you while he's doing it. It's just so weird. It's, it's this guy's just like, this is like, this would be the peaked in high school guy if he, if he had ever gone to high school. He, like, like it, in, in terms of like bad henchmen, he's a really interesting one who's like completely self-assured and he's relatively capable but can, he is too in his own head about everything. He's like, mm-hmm. I, I need to just make clear that everyone understands that this is what I'm doing. And I, I wouldn't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm doing at any time. Yeah, it's, it's like he sits. The way he acts is like he's just like that you're expecting him to be like a shitty henchman who, you know, is all talk and know nothing. Because he's so incredibly insecure. Oh, he is so insecure. Yeah. Uh, so we the the sheriff goes inside his office like, OK, I, I, I don't need to be shot at. This is too early in the morning for this bullshit. And in the jail cell, Slater is there, of course. And we've got the deputy Dobbs uh, because they still think that he's with Bonnewell and he's right. just too taciturn to, like, explain to them anything about it. <laughs> yep. And then Bonnewell rides into town with his like hundred or so dudes. And he comes to talk to the sheriff. And there, there's a the thing about like the sheriff's like, well, I told Carson that I could not officially participate in the raid. So I'm not participating. I'm not against you, but I'm not going to join you to to ambush uh, Carson's men. That, I, I can't do that. That's not acceptable. And he's like, well, it sounds like you're choosing sides. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm trying to do the thing that will have the least people killed. Yeah, and it's like, I can't have you start a range war. I, I can't be a part of this. And so Bonniewell ultimately shoots him. And this is the other scene where uh, Bonniewell is obscured from Jim's view in a really weird way. Because, like, it, it's shot through the bars and the door and window. Oh, of, yeah, uh, right. The, the sheriff's office. So, like, you see the sheriff in the doorway, like, through in, in the street, like, through the door. And you see part like you see the horse and like the the hips of Bonnewell on the horse and then there's like three other windows but the the one where his head is is like a a, a special colored window that's like dark <laughs> of course <laughs> it's like oh he still can't see the face it's weird cuz yeah. it really doesn't actually make a difference to anything not really it's kind uh, of it funny would make that a they make difference if they obscured it from Carol though because she'd know what her husband looks like Right, exactly. Uh, so, you know, he, he shoots the sheriff. Uh, they come in to put Dobbs in the cell. It was like, let's arrest this deputy guy. Uh, we don't even want to do We don't need to shoot him. Screw this. Yeah, you don't. Sh- if you shoot the sheriff, you do not shoot the deputy. Yeah. So they go in and the gyms are face to face. Bonnewell and Slater. And Bonnewell does kind of recognize him. Like he he's sort of like, oh, what's your name? Uh, and it's like, I'm Jim Slater. Like, let this man out. What what town were you born in? 
It's like, well, I'm from Nacogdoches, Texas. And he puts his gun away and like, yeah, it's, it, it is his dad. Yeah. And Jim is uh, not happy to find this out at all. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, I've, I've spent six months looking for a killer. What do you do when he turns out to be your father? Well, well if it's this guy, you should probably kill him anyway. Right, and Bonnewell's whole thing is like, well, it was all self-defense. <laughs> yeah, I, I never killed I've anyone done. who wasn't trying to kill me. It's like, well, yeah. what about that sheriff? He was trying to kill me through inaction. Well, yeah, he he was against me. Like, he was going to be on the other guy's side. And so, yeah, it, this was self-defense. He's got a very uh, warped view of self-defense. Oh, yes. <laughs> And this is when Orton steps out and is like, was it self-defense in Gila Valley? He's like, listen, look, the, the other five guys, they took my guns. They ran me out of camp, uh, which is interesting because it's like, why did this happen? What did you do? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I was almost like, what, maybe did you like steal the gold or? Did you maybe do something bad? Uh, maybe. And then, you know, when he was on his way after being run out of camp with no guns or anything, he saw the Apache war party. But, you know, he had to hide because they they took all his guns. Oh, nothing I can do. I'm going to just go and just going to go hide until they're all dead and then go back and take all of the money. (laughs) Not (laughs) talk to the cavalry, because why the fuck would I do that? Of course, that's not not part of self-defense. They they ran him out of camp. Uh, You know, it's, it's on them. They took his guns. And so he's going over all of this. He's going all over all of his uh, self-defense uh, uh, defense. And like suddenly, just with a lisp, someone steps in and says, hello, Slater. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and Johnny is here to prove something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Bonnie was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like, I, this is my son. We I, don't I don't have gonna, time to... This is, we, we have a whole shootout that we're going to do. Are you crazy? This is stupid. I I freaking pay you as a double agent. You're going to fuck, fuck this up over this guy? Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, fine, fine. And he, uh, Johnny gets uh, Bonniewell to give Slater his gun. And uh, pretty quickly Slater shoots Johnny. Johnny is Oh, dead. yeah. Johnny uh, dies. He he uh, does not he's not fully able to back it up in it because Slater is very good. And this is like this, this is the scene because he has his father's hands. Exactly. This is the scene that Leo wanted in The Quick and the Dead, because Bonnie Amini is like, I'm very impressed. You're every inch of Bonnie Well, like yeah. you've proved it to me that you are my son. Bonniewell is like a less cartoon Gene Hackman from Quick and the Dead. Yeah, it's a similar character. He's and like this is him at an earlier stage where he's still consolidating his power and like yeah, you know. he hasn't become like god over these hundred and twenty people. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, you know, he calls him every inch of Bonniewell, and Jim throws the gun at him, yells "Shut up!" and runs off in a huff. <laughs> Shut up, Dad! <laughs> Tired of the world. It's like a, a real shut up, Dad. I hate you, Dad. I hate you, Dad. Gets out of there, which is amazing. Uh, and uh, Jim tells, or Bonniewell tells Orton, like, listen, if Jim wants to go away with you, I won't stop you for the world. Just uh, that's fine. If you can convince him to leave with you, that's fine. That's fine. I don't care. Because he knows. Yeah. He knows that that's not really going to work. 
Yeah. And she goes to talk to Jim and just tearful at the bar, which, again, you know, uncommon for a Western hero to see him just like in tears at a bar after <laughs> having an argument with his dad. Like, it's not, yeah. not something you usually see. And he's like, I'm a Slater. And that explains a lot of things. And like, oh, Charlie Brown. <laughs> I become so numb. <laughs> and she's like. Look, I want you to leave. Just, just we'll, we'll just leave together. It's fine. But he, he now he's at this point like, because he's gotten into this thing, he's like, well, there's these hundred men riding into an ambush, and it's not right. I've gotten into this, and somehow I've got to finish it. Like I can't let these hundred men die. Which I guess is fair. It's fair, and she's like, yeah, okay. Although. Uh, Bonnywell walks in hearing the end of this and thinking that he's saying that I can't let these hundred men die about Bonnywell's people. He's like, oh, yeah, congratulations on your good sense. You're going to work with your dad and kill these people. (laughs) Save my hundred guys. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. This is everything I wanted to hear. (laughs) And he gives Jim his own gun back. He's like, how'd you know it was mine? Because it fits well in my hand. You're a Bonnywell, or you're a Slate, whatever. You're a Bonnywell. Uh, you're a Bonnywell. You're, you're my son, boy. Just the, how do you know the gun is mine? And like, because it fits well in my hand. It's just like the, this this icon of cycles of familial violence. It's like, oh yeah, yeah this is violence just passing on from generation to generation. This is how yeah. it works. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, you know, you... You you use violence in the same way I do. This is how I know you're my son. Uh, and he he sends because he still thinks that they're a team now. He's like, uh-huh. can you go take a look at where Carson's men are? And he starts talking to Orton's like, well, thank you for not talking him out of it. I really appreciate that. You'd be sending him to his death anyway. So here's where we establish like for the ambush to work. Um. They, nobody can fire their gun because right now Carson thinks he's just riding in to talk to the sheriff to see if he's going to be down for the raid. He doesn't know the Bonnewell's in the town. With all his men With in all ambush his men. waiting to like take them out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if and, there's a gunshot, Carson, they figure that Carson's going to be like, hold on. Right. Let's check this. Let's be more careful than we're being. And then Carson... Yeah, I, I, I really will be like able to overwhelm them with numbers. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like you can't use guns for your final fight in the Western. Mm-hmm. A very unusual way well, of doing it. And, and like, or rather, the bad guy can't. Jim wants to use the gun. He wants right. this to happen. And he's like, sometimes living's not that important. And he runs out to try to fire the gun in the air. But the no gun's bullets. empty. No bullets. <laughs> And one of uh, Bonnywell's men is on the roof, and he drops a flower pot on his hand. Yeah. Very impressive aim, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. And here's, <laughs> and, and, yeah. So here's the beginning of the climactic fight, where at the beginning, no shots are fired. They're just chasing each other, throwing knives and shit. Yeah, because Jim Bonnywell has a bunch of throwing knives, and he's pretty good with them. Although he never actually, we don't know how good he is because he never actually hits him with him, but he, th- he yeah. throws a few. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jim ducks into a store. He takes out, he takes off out the back and uh, they're, they're in like just sort of a bunch of backyards, basically Western mm-hmm. backyards, corrals. Yeah. Uh, 
and Jim is just like trying to taunt him into shooting, which I don't know why he thinks that's going to work. He, th- this guy does seem pretty together for a villain. Oh yeah. You, you can't convince your main villain to do that. That's, that's something you, well, that's why they had to kill off Johnny because we know Johnny wouldn't be able to keep it in his pants. Johnny would have shot. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, he throws a few more knives at him, and Jim climbs up on the roof of this church where there's a gunman station. He wrestles a gunman until a shot is fired. And then we cut to Carson's men out on the range, and they all stop. And like, something's not right here. I think we're walking into an ambush. Let's mm. go circle around town. Yeah, let's, they, they uh, completely circle the, the town. Ambushers. Yeah. Uh, Jim is shot a little bit. Like, he gets hit by a ricochet uh, by Bonnywell. Now that, like, well, I guess we're shooting now. <laughs> now we can use, no point oh, well. being quiet now. We've we've raised the alarm. And now that, like, the town is circled, a bunch of Bonnywell's men just, like, quit. It's like, ah, we're getting out of here. This is stupid. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's Forget go this. to the border. Yep. Uh, so long, dude. Like, I paid you. And, like, oh, well, too bad, though. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a whole bunch of them just running past him in their on their horses while he's like get back here get back here come, come on, on guys oh come on guys please uh, hey sorry we don't have the overwhelming advantage anymore i'm not fighting fair odds yeah come on but jim is still kind of or bonnewell rather he he's still pretty gung-ho and he, he's like all right jim i propose a quick draw duel and of course he's planning to cheat all along he's, oh the whole time very visibly planning to cheat. He's he's not putting the gun in his holster, and he's like he steps I'm out. Put it in my holster now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna step out until I say so. As he's and he out. steps out, and he's like, "Okay, step out." But before he even finishes saying "step out," Carson's men have come into town, and they just shoot him passing by. <laughs> I love it because it's like Jim. Whether on purpose or by accident, use a trick he learned from Carol to be like, right. I'll just make him stand in front of bullets. I'll stuff yeah, and, him up. And I also like that he ultimately is sort of robbed of any vengeance or anything. Oh, like, Bonnywell doesn't even get dying last words. No, Bonnywell just randomly gets shot by someone else who's passing by who like maybe even didn't even know that it was Bonnywell. And he's like, well... Oh, well, I, I don't get anything out of this. this. This is a bummer. And he just watches him die and he throws away his gun and goes yeah. to Orton and that's it. <laughs> yeah, they ride off into the, I guess, sunset. I think they ride off. Anyway. They ride yeah. off together. Uh, and presumably, yeah, she'll be his dom and they'll have a nice farm together. It'll be great. Yeah, that's one thing I've noticed is like he keeps trying to dom her and he is not meant for that role. No, she is he in charge. can't do it. She's very in control. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an unusual one. Like the the yeah. the mystery element, uh, the the revenge element, which is sort of nebulous. The like it's, ele- yeah. it's it's not actual revenge. It's sort of like he's looking for supposedly revenge, but he's really looking for his father. You know, he he wants to know about his father figure more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is interesting because it's not like like it's not like the spaghetti western, but it's also not. Is he really? He's, he feels like a more of a modern day kind of hero. Yeah, he he is much more of a noir hero or a noir gray protagonist. Actually, yeah, come to think of it, because she's she's like 
full femme fatale. Absolutely. But a cowboy. Yeah. And she it, even comes in with like the all black, like a. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Widmark is more of a noir guy. He did a lot of oh, crime okay. movies prior to this. So, yeah, it, it sort of fits. And, yeah, it's, it's just pretty cool. It's a, it's breezy. It's like 85 minutes or something. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Great time. Uh, so this is replaced in the stacks with Les Vampires. Ooh. Uh, this is the 1915 uh, 10-part serial. So it's like six and a half hours. If we did it, we'd want to do several episodes at a time. I don't know, maybe three. <laughs> okay, okay. This is a legendary uh, film serial. You know, the Les Vampires, the vampires, are this criminal organization. They've got Irma Vep, who's their hit lady, their their lady assassin who runs everything. And it's the French police just trying to deal with this massive criminal organization that you know has its tentacles and everything. Sounds like fun. Yeah, kind of a classic. Well, any last thoughts on Backlash before we head to our second film? Uh, no, I think we've about covered it. All right, well, uh, on to part two. And we're back for part two, uh, where we're talking about William Griffey's 1966 uh, horror. Horror? Uh, proto slasher rubber suit monster flick sting of death uh, uh, sort of, sort of an, an unusual florida variation on the creature from the black lagoon concept i didn't recognize that it was supposed to be a monster i thought it was a guy in a suit like like in story I mean, it was meant to be it, yeah a lot of the time it is kind of seems to be a guy in a suit except the suit is supposed to be yeah, it's supposed really? to be a transformation. Yeah, it is a jellyfish, it's... but like it's it's funny how much of it like is clearly suit all the time, like the flippers especially, like he's just <laughs> like dude is just those are just flippers. flippers. Yep. Yeah. Just there, flippers. It's my my absolute favorite shot of the movie, and we're getting ahead of ourselves way a bit, but there's a part where he is uh, walking through the house and there's all the different colors of shag carpeting and you just <laughs> watch his flippers walking on all this different shag carpeting. It's like, oh, pop art perfection. Yes. So um, we start, we hit the ground running. We've got oh, yeah. a monster hand sabotaging something before we even really know the name of the movie or anything. Mm-hmm. Pre, uh, cold open. Yep, cold open. Um, sabotaging something while a woman is lying on a dock suntanning, listening to a very urgent news uh, report about um, about a bunch of missing fishermen who have been missing here in the Florida Everglades, and it's not good that they're missing. I, you know, one of those reports. Mm-hmm. 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 Similar to the stuff we got in Pathogen of the very targeted news reports. Yeah. So if you're a woman in a black bikini lying down face down on a dock sunning yourself, watch out. The jellyfish man could be coming for you. And sure enough, it is. And remember, Matthew McConaughey, go out there and catch that fish. Oh, what was that movie called? <laughs> Serenity. Yeah, Great movie. Very was, weird movie. Recommend it. That was weird. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's basically that. So mm. the uh, the gloved hand with all these like 
I didn't recognize what they were meant to be. They looked like cables and bungee cords dragging yeah, off of it. I don't really know what we're supposed to take it to be. Cause like, I, I, I think guess it's meant to be tentacles. Yeah. Cause, or, or like the, the sort of like wavy bits under a, a jellyfish. Oh yeah. The know? wavy bits. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're not really tentacles with jellyfish, but they're, well, they're tendrils, I tendrils, think. Yeah, tendrils. that's you're right. Yes. Tentacles is like squids and octopi. More more uh utilitarian, like you can wrap uh, those around things, whereas the tendrils I think just sort of hang. I think yeah, I think they just sort of drift and then maybe sting help whatever for propelling. Them. Right, they do have the sting. So that's yeah. that's sort of their significance. Well the propelling I, I think they gotta do with the little bloop. Thing right. that I don't know That's, how to describe other than a broop sound. But I totally Even know though, what you mean yeah. from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, God, I, I don't know the biology of a jellyfish at all. No, actually, yeah, I don't. I don't especially. Like they're they're a very unusual creature. But like, well, these are supposed just to be water. That's true. Uh, with, with like a a film of gelatin and the oh. tendrils and stuff like i've i've been among jellyfish non-dangerous ones but like yeah, i've been yeah. in places where you can swim and there's just like thousands of them oh, um, you know they're fine be... they're kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah the, and it, obviously at this point it's not even clear he's supposed to be a jellyfish man you're just it is sort not, of a no, weird I monster suit down as fish man yeah or, he, or you, fish suit guy you're, you're led to expect for a certain length of time that you're going to get sort of a traditional creature, you know, a fish man, uh, you know, the the gill man of the classic creature from the Black Lagoon movies. Yeah. Uh, but what you get is something yeah. much, much stranger. <laughs> it's like a he's, he's almost like an undersea werewolf type, but not. Uh, well, well, we'll get into right, it. Right. Yeah. Because his human form is bizarre, too. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have like a very, very long sequence of him just dragging this woman under the water and then I love, dragging her while the credits roll. <laughs> right. It's it's the credits rolling and like he just has a hand on top of her head and he's just like pulling this body along underwater. Uh, yeah, I kind of love the opening sequence. Like it's ghoulish, of course. You know, he's just, you know, dragging around a dead body underwater, but it's kind of weirdly lyrical. Well, yeah, it's got like peaceful music, not like or or like horror music. Yeah, it's it's very breezy, and it's you know you get that. I it's the the frame I first sent you when before I told you what this movie was of special singing star Neil Sedaka, and it's just like a frame that's all that and just like a dead body being dragged along <laughs> in the water in behind that credit. It's like wow, that's amazing yeah. to look at because Neil Sedaka is real middle of the road kind of stuff you know well the the song that he contributed to this uh do the jellyfish so 1966 that's actually something maybe we could address right at the top to okay yeah it's the era of the one hit wonder yeah this is the Uh, beach party era this is like uh you know frankie avalon and annette funicello doing all the beach party movies and most of those had singing guests and then well, this is kind of a beach party movie. It kind of. of is. It's it's a Florida Everglades party movie. So, like, you know, you don't got the beaches. You got the swamps. Uh, but, you oh, got the man. back docks. Yeah. Uh, the Everglades. Like, I'm get, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but also not really. Um, there's All so sort of establishing. Yeah. You know? 
there's so many scenes where we just have like really long bits of them on the fan boats going through the Everglades. And it's just like, oh, man, this place is so cool. I wish I could live here, but I would probably hate it. It would be so ungodly hot. I would hate it, but just the the heat and how uh, man, it's so full humid of bugs. And, yeah, the the mosquitoes. The mosquitoes. But it looks really cool, and the idea is really cool. You just got like the boats, and uh, I I just I love well, the idea. It's a very unique landscape, yeah, and it's There's it's very interesting. There's nothing else like it, actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really unique uh, ecosystem and kind of uh, cool to look at. And it's like, yeah, you got the fan and boats, you got like, the glades, you got yeah, and like this yeah, endless whole space culture, mm-hmm. or like subculture. Just but like in in terms of the sixtiesness of it and just the the uh, one hit wonder era and just like how the, you you got to have a dance craze like this is. Basically, I think this is the same year that that thing you do is set. Oh, <laughs> you know the 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 wonders or the oneders, o one, o n e d e r s. So they're the wonders, but everybody calls them the oneders. Oh, oh it's so reflexive because they're they're one hit wonders, right? And oh. they like the whole plot of that. One of the main things is they get cast in a movie to do like a song in the background of a beach party movie, and it's very. Uh, a very stupid experience for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's something that's sort of in the back of my head while I'm watching this movie. It's like, yeah, they're all of these people dancing around the pool to this awful fucking Neil Sadaka song, do the jellyfish. Uh, the dance that they do is dumb. It's very bad. They're trying to do sort of a jellyfish thing, but also Aren't say, they? don't do. Yeah. I mean, kinda <laughs> they're, they're trying to do the bloop. I guess they're trying to do the bloop. I you know guess. what it kind of looks like to me though when you have that cut in The Simpsons uh, <gasps> with where... Homer trying to explain. Sorry, that is exactly the one I'm talking yes. about. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, where Homer's trying to explain like how babies are made and like he does little thing to like show the sperm swimming. He's got like the hands behind his back. That's what the jellyfish dance made me think of because it's it's him talking about sperm and then like it cuts to like the family hearing him say it and like we see him yeah doing the sperm move and that's totally what i was thinking the whole time i'm watching do the jellyfish so it it makes it extra yeah yeah Uh, we're getting to the age where we can't count on people automatically understanding simpsons references anymore though (laughs) that is true Although, I mean, it's still very culturally dominant. It is still on the air, both in constant reruns and in new episodes. This is true. This is true, but it's not. Well, nothing is culturally on the present anymore. anymore Because the Internet's too big. Yeah. Nothing will ever be that again, I don't think. No, there there is no real monoculture again unless, you know, society falls. Well, (laughs) maybe society will fall. (laughs) I mean, we're we're trying. (laughs) Everybody's working hard. (laughs) All right. So back to where we actually are. Um, Right at the beginning. We we, were at the credits. (laughs) Yeah. So she so the monster or the guy in a month in a scuba suit. Still don't really know which. It's basically like it's a it's a dirty scuba suit that's got like green patches of algae on it and then like hangy down bits yeah they they look like 
they look like bungee cords or cables. Right. And it's only much later that we're to learn that they're supposed to be uh, suggestive of a jellyfish. And we don't see the head of the beast for some time because it looks incredibly bad. <laughs> and, so bad. And he probably couldn't have swimmed in it because it looks really dangerous. Oh, God, yeah. Like that, that's it's just a big bag thing. he's wearing on his head. He's wearing a plastic <laughs> bag over his head. That's I the kind think of thing. You can only just, film that for like a few minutes at a time, I bet. I think so. Like it literally, it. I I think it legitimately might be just a laundry bag that they've got blown up on top Honestly, of his head. Honestly, yes. Yeah. That is. It what looks I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, so we uh after the credits we cut to our main group. Um, I didn't get any of their names except the main girl. The the dad is a marine biologist and he's got like this fancy island in the Everglades with like a pool and all that and it's like a beach house but on the Everglades. Yeah, it's um, pretty rad, honestly. Like the location is, is yeah. sort of amazing. Does he already have the quote unquote bump on his head at this point? Yes, he does. He starts the movie with it. Um, okay, what the hell? Because it is not a bruise. It is sharpie, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it is definitely Sharpie. It's meant to be – he says it's because an amplifier from the laboratory fell on him. Um, pres- so I think that this is meant to make him a red herring Like, because the only place we've seen right. where an amplifier could fall is that room that was sabotaged by the monster. Right. And it, a green is weird color for a lump on a dude's head to be. And it's this so isn't ex- fake. Yeah. But if it is meant to be a red herring, it's not explored at all. At no point is he suspected of anything. No, you know, to be honest, I had never even thought that that might be the point of it. But yeah, well, I, I think yeah. you're right. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't like they mentioned it at the very beginning. It's like, hey, you got a weird mark. Oh, yeah. Thing fell on me. And he never comes. He up has again. Like that, but it's that, a weird, prominent mark. It's so that's, silly, like like right in the middle of his forehead, and it's black, like or dark colored, and it, it's, it's clearly green. artificial. Like, oh yeah, obviously not real. It's like like somebody dabbed him with a green bingo dabber. Yeah, but it, you know, it had to have been pretty permanent because, like, that's why I say Sharpie because it is there yeah. the entire movie. Every single time you see him, it's like, it, what is going on with this guy's it's head? It's there the entire movie, but it doesn't always look the same. No, they it, reapply it has the different Sharpie sizes. They whenever there's a, whenever they're yeah, they reapply the Sharpie every time, and Sometimes it's not always it's the bigger. same. Yeah, and it's so it's like you'd think this would be a really important detail if they're making such care to do that but it isn't it, it it's not at isn't. all and like well that's why i was like you can it, forget does he that already have it in the scene yeah <laughs> like like you can forget that an explanation was even given for it because it's just like oh yeah thing fell on me i'm good i'm fine yeah, yeah so whatever yeah so that so that's the dad um didn't catch his name we have karen the main girl whose job is to faint and be hysterical Although she's the least objectionable of her friend group. She is the least, she is the most good, least shitty or most good. They're shitty. She is, <laughs> least she's okay. objectionable. Yeah, the least objectionable. She's, uh, she's have, all right, but, you know, she is yeah. all, like, to be fair, while they are all mean to Egon, 
Egon is gross and bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of a weird uh, issue we have in this movie. We're, oh, we're going to talk about Egon. Yeah, there's much to say about poor, poor Egon. Because uh, yeah, there, there's, I feel that the way they handled this character is very Strange. clumsy. Very. Yeah. I mean, it's 1960s and clearly not a big budget film, so you kind of take what you can get. But mm-hmm. I have thoughts about this guy. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, yeah, we learned that Ruth is the name of the, the victim. Uh, she just she, uh, she's just gone. Um, they don't know where she went. Maybe she went into town. Who knows? Whatever. Right. Uh, we have Karen's friends, um, just random 60s hot girls who I don't know why they're here. Just hanging out, just hanging, hanging out at the out. beach yeah. house. Yeah. They, they know this is a party house. They know about the pirate party boats. They're just like. Glide up and down the Everglades looking for fun. Uh, we've got Mr. John, who is apparently act- also a doctor, but he doesn't do anything doctorly. He, he doesn't the, do much of anything. muscle. Yeah. He, he honestly has... who Karen has to fall in love with. Yeah, he, or he a really, guy who Karen has to, yeah. He really has very little to do in the movie, other than being, like, quote-unquote leading man. Like he, yeah. he sort of has a heroic save near the end, I guess. Uh, kind of. Yes. He's involved. He's there. He is involved. Uh, yeah. So and then, and then we meet our last person of our main group, uh, Egon, who, <laughs> from the way that everybody treats him, I thought he was a janitor. No, he is a fellow scientist. Yeah, it's weird. He seems like he is an Igor. He like he is he a lab like assistant. Igor. Yes, he's, he looks like a lab assistant. He's got the funky, deformed eye. He's he's got like a hunchback. He's really awkward. Um, he's incredibly socially awkward and is kind very of, much a girl. Pretty me and lo- therefore me in love with girl. Therefore, girl must be in love with me or else. Like, Right, of of sort of the Tor Johnson blend, but sort of like bordering on the more modern. Like, is this guy an incel? He feels <laughs> kind of like thing? an incel, but yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think this is meant to be a commentary on incel culture, but no, uh, certainly not. I do but... think this is meant to be. Hey, let's laugh at the weird disabled guy. Well, it's it's also like he is a nerd and also he is a beatnik because <laughs> like he, so yeah he's got the stripy shirt like the he his look other than well as well as just him being dirty and swarthy uh he he's sort of coded as like the typical beatnik of the 50s and like early 60s like the the beatnik stereotype oh okay uh so yeah like uh if if you search the the term beatnik uh and and you can find things that say like uh, a classic vintage do it yourself beatnik kit that's what egon looks like <laughs> that kind of makes sense but like There's if a... he were a lab assistant who's deformed so like that that's why notably i think that's why he's called igor is cuz he's or why he's called Egon is because, you know, he is an Igor type, but he's real gone, man, because he's a beatnik. Oh, he's not Igor, man. He's Egon. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, and yeah, he's he's othered. Uh, that that's very significant. He's, he is always on the outside of everything that's going on. Despite the fact that he <clears throat> he shows at the end, and apparently has shown throughout his time working with these guys, that he is a competent scientist. Mm-hmm. Uh, like along with, I mean, he's more scientist than uh, Doctor John. John. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, um, he's he's obviously accomplished more than either of them. Uh, by the end, uh, we, we we learn that he has well, he's uh, accomplished more than, done yeah, quite a bit more. Yeah, yeah but I don't even know what the main guy's job actually is supposed to be, other than marine biologist. But what's he doing here? What's he what's he trying to do? I think he's sort of maybe just trying to get an in here. Like uh, that could be. Because, like, well, there's also, you know, he is sort of the love interest and he's maybe trying to get with the daughter. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the dad. Like, what's. Oh, the dad. Like, Dr. No, Dr. Mr. John's mission is to fuck the daughter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Otherwise work with the dad. Yeah, the dad, I he's just studying jellyfish for whatever purpose. Like, we we know that they collect Portuguese Everglades. I don't like think normally so. do you, it <clears throat> seems like a weird place, but at the same time, I don't know the Everglade he called he called, but I don't know what animal live in Everglade jellyfish, uh, crocodiles. In, yeah. I'm not sure because gators. Like, not here though. No gator in this movie. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of surprising. Actually um, no animals other than jellyfish. So, yeah and uh, apparently there are some jellyfish in the florida everglades everglades but not this type like the portuguese man of war is a is a sea uh, that's what i thought so they they shouldn't be able to survive like that's part of one of the things they bring up is that they shouldn't be able to survive in that water because it's fresh water and they're right salt water yeah salt water yeah yeah so um we learned that mr Two minutes after all these girls show up in in uh, the professor's house, we learned that Mr. John invited all these uh, other biology students for a party, and they're going to be here in 20 minutes. And the girls who, by the way, already do look dressed up are like, oh, my God, what are we going to wear? What are we going to do? <laughs> it's like, guys, you look fine. You we, don't have gotta... to change anything right now. Well, it's because but... we, we got to change from our – our like uh pantsuits into our bathing suits well because yeah. it's a it's a it's a pool party yeah yeah uh meanwhile the sheriff comes up to the house in a boat and talks to the professor about a missing fisherman and shows him the corpse that they found of one of these fishermen and the dog and the professor looks at him he's like oh yeah i know this is like a Portuguese man of war. That's definitely what the kind of poison is, but way too fucking much poison. Shouldn't be able to do this. And Egon's like, actually, jelly. It is possible to breed a jellyfish big enough to do this. And, the, and everyone's like, shut the fuck up. Egon. It's like, you stop talking. Yeah. Th- that is an interesting point in this movie that there is this guy who is in every one of these scenes coming up and saying, no, there, there's a way that it can be done, and I know that it can be done, and I personally have seen it be done. The, and the, like, no one's ever like, so yeah. Yeah, how nobody... about you show us that? Or, hey, are you the guy doing this? Because as 
you know, spoilers, he is the guy doing this. He is the guy doing this. But the best he gets is uh, shut the fuck up, Donnie, you're out of your element. Well, it's, you know, to uh, be quite Uh, woof. He's never really doing like he is telling them every step of the way. Hey, I'm the bad guy. Just so you know, guys, no, I'm the bad guy. Can you uh, pay attention to me? I'm the bad guy. Uh, And uh, everyone's like, no, I don't think so, man. You're gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm gross because I'm the bad guy. Nah, well, that's true. He is gross because he's the bad guy. Yes, but yeah. So, um, and yeah, they're yeah. they're also saying that the thing like the marks are uh, are indicative of Portuguese man war, but they're much too big. There's no way one could even be that size. And it's like, oh, I'm I, telling I, you, I, I, we tell can. You. I've been I've been mm. telling you that this is possible. Uh, and I can tell you how I got papers. Uh, You're out of your element, Egon. He's so gross though. (laughs) See here, I still feel bad for him because here it doesn't last. (laughs) No, it doesn't last, but like they're, they are overly cruel to him. Like, I think we may have already skipped past the first one where one of the girls is like, Ew, he's disgusting. Yeah, it's like, like he's oh, just there. Oh, Egon, do you want to go on a fake date with me where I'm gonna embarrass you? But like, and Karen's like, no, could you knock it off? Just come on now. He literally hasn't done anything yet. But like, it marks her for death immediately. Oh yeah, yeah. So John, Egon, and the dad know now that there's something capable of killing people with Portuguese man-of-war things. They do not tell the girls about this. No, they don't really tell much of any, or they, they don't really tell anyone about it. And they just sort of are not willing to even research it all that much. Cause like, again, they have this guy who works with them, who is supposedly their colleague. Who's like, supposedly. No, uh, yeah, no, I, I know how this can happen. And this is a thing that's real. And they're like, Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, there, I, there's this very threatening thing that's been killing people all around us, and uh, uh, we're not interested in your professional opinion on the matter, even though this is something you are personally the like one of the foremost experts on along with us. Yeah, but, you know, you look funny. But he's so. gross. Yeah. He's bad. Well, yeah, so here we find out that he is <clears throat> bad. Well... Here you could still call chalk it up to being a little awkward, but uh, he kind of creeps on Karen while she's listening to the radio, and it's like it's like he's sneaking up on her. Yeah, it's very weird, and like he he gets up really close to her, and it's like Egon, you scared me. It's like you know, well, I, I didn't but mean to scare I didn't you. Mean to, but it's like you like me though, right, Karen? He's like, you shouldn't do that. Like, that's just weird. You you realize that you're still being weird. Like, I, I stick up for you sometimes, but you are being a weirdo. You get that, right? He's like, I don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but but you're the only one who's nice to be, Karen. Therefore, we have to be together. Well, yeah, he's got that proto-internet nice guy thing. <laughs> I mean. He's a real creeper. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, I'm having uncomfortable memories of how I was back in high school. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, he keeps, I, like I don't see why that's creepy at all. 
I'm just Let keep me... trying to touch you while I'm talking to you, and keep you like me, right? And I'm a nice put my guy. Put my hand around you, oh, but I got like the hover God. hand. But Come oh no, I'm put, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, he, uh... he he does the whole thing, and like she's she has stood up for him, but she's getting sick of him, and then like he's gonna get humiliated a lot more later, and <laughs> yeah. So but... she fortunately gets called away by the girls. Right. And it's like, oh, I got to go. My girls were doing the party thing. So long. Have fun with whatever. Yeah. So whatever apparently is him watching the girls and dance while the party boat arrives. And the party boat does arrive. And they just. Oh, I love the party boat arriving. There's just like there, there's that one guy who falls off before they get to the dock and he's swimming there. And like they're clearly all drunk and partying already. Oh, yeah. And then it's like this big, long musical number where we just right. keep cutting to like the same emit the same shots of different people shaking their asses. And they, they do and the stuff. sperm dance. But I, I want to dwell for well, a moment do- on the concept of the pirate party boat. Just the like it, it seems like they they can dock at anyone's backyard and it's like well it's party time. Well, they they I get the feeling that they were invited by John for some reason. God, I guess. fuck if I know why. Like I even have in my notes. I was like, why the fuck did John invite these guys to party? Yeah, well, yeah. You, you gotta um, have a dance number. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so like oh. This is sort of a sad scene at first in that, like, we have poor Egon wanting to join the party. We see him, like, yeah, tapping his foot. Yeah. Like, I, I could join in this party. Like, it, it reminds me of an instructional short from Mystery Science Theater, uh, Mr. B Natural. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that one. This is this this kid learning to play a horn or something. It was like promote. It, it was uh, produced by a company that made horns to like sell horns to high school oh. students. <laughs> and it's like you know it'll get you out of your shell. And there's there's this loser kid who's uh, hovering by the side of all the band kids who are like musical and having fun. Him like trying to like sort of tap. And, and like but he can't join them and he he he's weirded out and he's like oh. uh he reminded me of that this is that sort of thing like he's just standing at the edge of the party tapping his foot until people notice him and he's like look this guy's trying to have fun like a normie and but you know what mr captain doesn't like that no is like, ah, we've got ourselves... This guy does not break character, even though he's not dressed at all like a pirate. Well, that's why I think of it as the pirate party boat, is he is the pirate captain, and he is leaning into it all the way. He's going for it. Yeah. He is. But he's also a jerk. Oh, yeah, he Um, is a dick about this. He's like, look at this ugly guy trying to have fun. This guy is ugly, and he wants to have fun with hot people. Everyone knows hot people cannot associate with ugly people yar let's freaking beat the shit out of them basically well it's weird like i don't know if they're going to start a fight but they just sort of converge on him and tease him until he freaks out actually very third grade it's very third grade it's like they all gather in a circle around him exactly i'm not ugly guys i'm not and yeah, it's, it's, like, it's he's the yeah. poor kid. Blah, blah, blah. It's it's very very third grade. Yeah, exactly. Um, and 
Egon, yeah, Egon basically runs away and steals a boat. Or no, actually, I thought he stole a boat. Turns out that is his boat. It's one of um, his boats. Yeah. Because I hadn't. It, the way he's treated, it, it just didn't quite click into me yet that he lives here and belongs here, and he's a person who's supposed to be here rather than a person who's allowed to be here. He doesn't really seem sense. capable. Yeah, no, I agree. He he does not seem like he's capable of being just an everyday person. He he. Yeah, but he, he seems owns like, a boat. He lives alone. He. Yeah. Bye. I guess. He is supposedly an actual scientist, but yeah. he just doesn't seem capable of living that sort of yeah. life. Yeah. So like like because all the characters and the movie seem to treat him like he's like developmentally disabled. Mm-hmm. Like like it. Well. I guess it's like like he's social. The thing where it's like socially awkward means he must be stupid. Well, it's weird, though, because uh, typically in a lot of well, maybe not so much in the 50s, but scientists are are usually coded as nerdy and socially awkward. But uh, I I guess true. I guess the 50s was an era of the two fisted scientist, you know, who who are like, you know, fighting it out hand to hand with aliens. Uh, Yes. Or giant claws. Or giant claws, or oh, we need to use these special science things to take out Hitler. Oh yes. And you know the scientists would fight Hitler. Right. Although I don't know, did they, did they make a lot of fighting Hitler movies in the while World War Two was happening? Probably. Not... Well, they they had the Disney shorts, and that was. Well, yeah, I mean, sort of, it's it's really more that sort of thing because in movies it's more the everyday soldier, and you're not really. Because you know you're still in the war. Who knows how it's going to Oh yeah, it's not like it's. Yeah, I guess uh, it's not like Inglorious Bastards. Uh, but you know, you, you'd see it in cartoons, and uh, I guess you'd have like propaganda shorts and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but like it's yeah, it's more of a comic book and cartoon thing for the oh, realm okay. of fantasy. Right, right. Um, yeah. So basically, Egon escapes, and and Karen's like, "Wow, that was a dick move," and the and it's actually, I think, John who's like, ah, he'll get over it. Yeah. And, but like, uh, you know, to yeah. her credit, she is the the only one who's like, that wasn't cool. That was sort of weird, guys. What the? Yeah, like, are we adults here? Fucking... Come on. <laughs> well, the answer is no. Kind of. First not. of all. But yeah, it's so okay. That... They'll all be dead from this. This this will get come back on all of them. They will all be killed. In like the best worst way <laughs> such a goofy way so good so yeah then they form a conga line going to the house uh, yeah. while egon does his fan boat lament and then he dives into the water and that's the last we see of him for a little bit do the jelly jellyfish yeah we cut to uh we cut to the party um at the pool party already, you know, still underway. John apologizes to Karen for how the guys treated Eve gone. And Karen's like, oh, I know they meant well. And it's like, uh, <laughs> did it's they? A strange line. I know they meant well. Like, how's, how, how you could it? you interpret that? How could you interpret that? To... Well, you got to socialize a nerd by showing yes. them that they're a nerd. This yeah. is this is, this is sixty six. I don't know. It's hard to. If say. you're a nerd, I have to beat you up. That way, you'll stop being a nerd. Oh well. Can you give me constructive criticisms of what I need to do that is different that offends you so much? 
Nerd! Get punched! <laughs> uh, the fish man is somehow hiding in the swimming pool. And nobody sees I him. I don't understand this. And someone even gets in the pool and doesn't see him. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a clear, clean swimming pool. This isn't like this isn't like a fish man hiding in the swamp. This this is like a dude in a dark black algae covered scuba suit just with a chilling huge, in the swimming with pool with like a gigantic bag head. And like, yeah, there, there's no way you wouldn't see it because it's just a small backyard pool. Yeah, <laughs> and it's got these... a white bottom. You can completely see everything in it. Like we even have a few shots where where we cut to it clearly being able to see him from outside the pool. Yeah, from like above. Uh, but, but before that happens, we have to do the jellyfish. Do the jello jellyfish. Uh, something about a monkey. Yeah, but not and a donkey. Like, ain't nothing like the monkey. Uh, yeah, it's extremely bad very bad neil sadaka song called do the I've jellyfish got like a whole page of notes on this and it's oh my mostly god. just how long is this song <laughs> oh my god how is this a song oh my god fish man please kill somebody it's extremely repetitive like there's it's got that one same cadence over and over and over again and we use the same recycled footage that we've already used repeatedly on the boat scene for people dancing and it's and like, long. And every time you think it's going to stop, we go into another verse and it doesn't like the, even the, just that main line, jella jellyfish. What? Why? Yeah, it's very know. stupid. Uh, and like, I mean, like I don't like Neil Sadaka very much to begin with overall. Like the, the music I've heard by Neil Sadaka has never really much appealed to me. I'm not of that era, but it's bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, the party is like so intense that one girl faints and she's like, oh, man, I'm I'm going to go into the pool. And John's like, don't go in the pool. You're overheated. John, do you not understand? John's a scientist. I don't know. There's maybe there's some kind of science behind it that uh, he was going to explain. But then she gets in the pool anyway, because fuck you, John. I'm, yeah. I'm hot and I want to get in the pool. Yeah, so, you know, we, we get, uh, she's still fully clothed, but we get sexy swimming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we do get a fair bit of that in this um, a few times yes. here and there. It, it, is, just, it is fully an exploitation movie, but yeah, uh-huh. it's 66, so it's a little before they could really do much with it. Like, you couldn't uh, have much gore, you couldn't have much nudity. Like, you basically couldn't even have swearing. Yeah. Uh, I, I flipped the page and I... And I've still got all my notes for like the jellyfish dance. Bah, not get murdered yet. Nope. And like for one shot, it, the monster is just a dude in a regular wetsuit. Oh, for sure. But uh, yeah, so eventually, finally, the monster just puts his hand on her face. And now suddenly she's got like horrible marks and shit. Like so it can sting you just by touching kind of like a jellyfish's tendrils. Right. Uh, and so it's and and like I think we sometimes see like sparks and stuff when it touches someone. Uh, I'd like not in this one because it's underwater. Yeah, not but here. When, yeah. When it's above ground, sometimes. Uh, it's it's weird because we we only really know that it's a jellyfish monster because of word of mouth. <laughs> there, there's well, we we have right not now been, we yeah 
right now because, we don't. Well, yeah, because like there, we don't get a clear thing of that weird jellyfish head for a while. Be, which is good because it looks it looks so bad, so bad. It's very bad, yeah. It's really bad. Um, yeah. So it but stings we, her. She dies. Yeah, we do get a POV of the monster getting up out of the pool and chasing people around, but we can only ever see its feet. And I'm just trying to imagine like the, what these people must be thinking seeing this person thing. Well, this person in a wetsuit with a huge bag with on his head. Yeah, it's like a big bag on his head. Like, is this guy going to just? die because he's gonna suffocate <laughs> you know what it reminds me of is like those uh heart-shaped like happy birthday or valentine's balloons mm-hmm. uh, that they yeah. sell in the stores but like but like clear and see-through yeah or like a bag wine yeah yes so yeah the pirate leader and the girl who was swimming get attacked and the dad tries to save them but the pirate's face begins like melting and this is <laughs> This might be the this might be the only the best effect or maybe the only good effect in the movie, but the the pirate leader's face looks pretty mangled. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because he has that he gets it worse than the girl because the girl ultimately doesn't die. Yeah. I no, forgot the girl that recovers. They they just have her like on a bed. They don't take her to the hospital. They're like the rest of them are like, okay, we gotta leave with this guy to yeah, go we to gotta the leave hospital. With this guy. And John's like, hey, shouldn't we like have Karen and the girls go back to the hospital too? And the dad's like, no, let's stay. Let's have them stay here. We have guns. Yeah, and we'll take care of her. And like, she's not that badly hurt. You guys just take and him she and need medical attention. Yeah, him and the dead mates can go there. We'll we'll hang on to this girl and make sure that she survives. And we'll go kill off the party boat characters altogether. <laughs> Which. Is exactly what happens, but not in the way I expected. Right, so, so he's um, got his minions. Yeah, yeah. so he's got his minions. First, he uh, he cuts, like, he he goes under the boat, because, uh, you know, jellyfish man can breathe underwater, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, he cuts something. I don't really know what it is, but whatever it is causes the engine to fail and eventually causes the boat to sink. But beyond that, he's not involved in the killing. His little baby jellyfish minions are, and by jellyfish, I mean floating plastic bags. Floating plastic bags of, like, confetti or construction paper or maybe cotton candy because it seems to melt. Yeah, I I, I was kind of thinking, like, those little tied-up mini bags of Halloween treats. Yeah, because, like, it doesn't look too bad when you're looking at it from underwater, when you see just, like, the tendrils and sort of a bag yeah. at the top. But, but it's when you're looking at it from above the water. It looks like, like a bunch of people just threw their, like, potato chip bags and shit in the water. Well, they're clear bags, and it looks like maybe there's some loose children's clothing in them or something. It's like, <laughs> what is going on there? It's just, why are these bags of garbage following these people around, and they're screaming? Yeah, the girl even like says she points over and it's like, oh, look, jellyfish. And it's like, oh, that's what those are supposed to be. I'm pretty sure the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, they're jellyfish. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and the boat sinks while the, <laughs> the people re- pretend to be attacked by floating plastic bags. 
yeah the the boat turns completely upside down a couple of them are like on the 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 upside down hull of the boat yeah everybody gets stung to death they all die they are all dead floating upside down in the water and we cut to the jellyfish man going into his secret lab and it's egon and i was like do we need another full boatload of dead meats they're all gone already we yeah. we had like our our initial crew that we started out with at the beginning, and then they're like, "That's not enough people to kill off." Oh, yeah, and so like, an entire boat shows. I was like, "Yeah, now that's that's good." And then like two scenes later, I was like, "Okay, all of those guys are dead. We're gonna need more." <laughs> yeah, it's like, and we haven't started killing off the the main characters yet, no. or like the original dead meat team. Yeah. So uh, back to the house. The dad has changed into rainbow striped shorts shorts for some reason, and nobody mentions this. And he gives John the gun. Uh, and they're over over dinner. They're having plans. They're, they're planning what, out what they're going to do for the next day. It's like uh, none of us can really eat because of all the murder that happened and the monster we saw come out of the swimming pool. And hey, I wonder what's up with Egon. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody yeah, also, asks. Nobody Egon, wonders what's no, going actually, on with Egon. No, actually, they don't. Because <laughs> do uh, who cares about Egon? Fuck that guy. Egon's He's not invited ugly. to this dinner. Who'd want to look at him while they're eating? He's ugly. And, I don't want that guy around. And now John and Karen are like looking out the window and it's like, is it possible to fall in love with everything that's happened? It's possible because I have. Okay, uh, <laughs> I guess. It's very corny fake uh like it's it's completely undeveloped it's out and like oh they're they're a couple okay i guess i mean yeah. whatever i guess <laughs> sure fine I mean, neither of them has a personality so yeah they're ken and barbie whatever yeah uh yeah so they get out on a fan boat um Ooh, fan boat yep we got I, like the sorry, i'm a big fan I, i'm a big fan of all the uh ambient fan boat rides in this movie just like segments of just people riding around on fan boats for long periods of time through just huge open expanses of marshlands and uh it kind of rules it uh, you know you just have like some 60s go-go music pounding away and just people just flying around on these boats and like cool i'm into this i don't really care if anything happens for a little bit oh yeah better than that jellyfish song it's great i mean because i'll probably never get on one of these boats in real life so Mm. this is as close as i'll get that's fair. So they just walk into Egon's house and talk about how creepy it is that he lives here. <laughs> Did like, you live this, like this? <laughs> like, they are not treating him like a human being. Well, he, to be fair, he does not act like a human being. He acts like yeah, a feral animal. Yeah, but it, it kind of feels like everyone sucks here. Well, yeah, no, like nobody comes off all that great, but he is a very strange construction of a character in that, like, he is sort of this outsider and you feel like maybe you should feel bad for him, at least from a modern perspective. I don't know, maybe back in 66, he is purely just, well, that guy's a nerd, so that's this is what you do with a nerd. Maybe. I don't know. But like it is sort of weird that there is no humanizing element beyond that. Like he is humiliated, but we're never supposed to be on his side or like him. He is no. an ugly bad guy. 
yeah, yeah. We we don't. He doesn't get sympathetic moments. It's like he is ugly. It is okay to hate him. And he's gross. Like he's just yeah. a gross guy. He's uh, yeah. weird, and he like he does that nice guy thing. It's like I um, would. I'll be the one to protect you. You like me, right? Yeah. If you like me, you'll let me rape you. And and like it comes up a lot. He he always wants to be reassured that he's liked. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so one of the girls left her cigarettes in the boat and goes out to get them and just really takes her time with it, even though there's a monster. And there's, like, a guy on a rocky outcrop, and he, like, takes a shot at her when she's getting them out of the saddlebag. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm getting mixed up. Like, took me a second, I'm like, I don't remember that part. Uh, uh, so yeah, Fishman. Yeah, Fishman, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, so she gets... So she's being stalked by uh, Egon. Mm. She gets the smoke. She's on the fan boat. She's smoking them. Egon's like two. Egon, sorry, monster Egon rather mm. is two inches away from her before she finally notices. Those must be really good cigarettes. Well, and like you, you would hear those flippers. Oh yeah. He's not like an elegant walker or anything. No. We we do Although, see him walking around sometimes. I do kind of wonder how much background noise is in the Everglades. That's true. There might be quite a bit. And like, they are um, just like straight out on the water. Yeah. Like I'm I'm sure you got your bugs and stuff and you got wind, water rushing. And you Would know, you probably quite a bit of wildlife noise. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Although Egon's not exactly uh, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, clumsy, you see him moving so... around. He is not an elegant walker. He's, he's very much sports. Splorch. Splorch. Uh, so, yeah, he he slowly chases her through the swamp, and we finally, for just a split second, see the jelly head. Which is, yeah, it is just a big bag blown up on his head. He is wearing a plastic bag on his head, the things that they always tell you not to do when you're a kid. Yeah, it's huge. And and it's like it is like a big, big laundry bag, like blown up and sort of in a vaguely jellyfish-esque oval. Vaguely. But Very yes. vaguely. Uh, and yeah, there's like hangy down bits. So, yeah, he's a jellyfish man, question mark. And, and like it's weird because it seems to be he's wearing a monster jellyfish on his head. Because he I, takes yeah. it off sometimes. See, I couldn't figure out if he was meant to be a man who's got a power, a jellyfish power suit, or a man who turns into a jellyfish. And I think and, it's a combination of the two, where he is, because there, there's, we see the transformation sequences where he gets in his tank and he puts the jellyfish head yeah, on. Yeah, the I jellyfish think is treated as a separate organism, because he's like, right. jellyfish will love me. And I think this giant jellyfish is like, his lab bred one that he has some sort of psychic kinship with. And that's sort of what powers him. It seems oh. to be the core of the transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I get, and then maybe he just puts on the wetsuit or maybe that's part of it. it see, that's the part I don't get. I we don't get... see it. It seems like it just appears on him and it's all 
grungy and dirty. It, it, yeah, it's really gross. And, and it, if it weren't, like the tendrils suggest it could be part of the fit, the jellyfish creature. Well, that's which means the it thing. Might be a transformation. That, that's sort of the big issue is that like the effects are really lo-fi and they're really bad and the suit is very cheap so it's impossible to tell see the zipper yeah it's it's absolutely impossible to tell at what level it's supposed to be looking like a costume and what amount of it it's supposed to be uh our suspension of disbelief because it's like he's obviously just wearing flippers like he is wearing uh-huh. swim fins and like you can see the straps and you can see where his feet are in them but i don't know if we're actually supposed to think that he has webbed feet when he is the jellyfish man yeah like the only thing i can establish like that i've been able to establish for sure is that the jellyfish head and his head kind of become one Mm -hmm. where does the suit come from no idea yeah, magic. Uh, it, it does seem to not be a suit, but be his body when he is the monster, yeah. which is very strange. Yeah, Because it, it, it does not look like it. And again, like that shot of him walking through the house with all the different shag carpeting <laughs> slippers. Incredible. Oh, so good. Those bright um, primary colors of shag carpet. Yeah. These so, grungy flippers. <laughs> so, so the guys back at the, well, who are hanging out at Egon's house here the girls scream and they run over and she's gone from the boat so they're like well let's get in the boat and go searching mm-hmm. they see bubbles in the Everglade and come to the conclusion that it must be her because what else would make bubbles in a swamp right like not and you know gator or something not not in this swamp I guess not apparently so I mean they ultimately they are right so who are we to they do change? end up being right I Oh, actually, no, they, they found a bandana and the bubbles. So, yeah, right. there, there we go. Uh, so they <laughs> we have to watch them put on their swim, scuba gear. And I've got written down, can't we just know they put on all their scuba gear and completed proper safety checks and adjusted all the straps and everything? Well, maybe it's to show that they're putting on scuba gear, whereas Egon, his scuba gear is supposed to actually be part of him because we don't see him put it on. So we just see him transform into it. Uh Maybe. (laughs) Lo-fi. Yeah. Cinematic language. (laughs) It could be. Could be. Um, So, yeah, we've we got good underwater shots of diving among the fishies. Some Um, pretty nice underwater photography in this movie for being like real low budget indie. Now I want to know, is this what Underwater of the Everglades looks like? Because I don't know at all, actually. I've never thought about it before. Uh, yeah, hard to say. It's probably not this bright. Maybe these well, are I just like some... this bright, no. Yeah, like I, I don't know where this would have been shot. Uh, but, you know, presumably some of it might be, but some of it maybe just like other areas in Florida. Because it is all shot, you know, around Florida. It's not like there's yeah, like, elsewhere. Yeah, this part though, like it looks like one of those bottom of the ocean shots where like you're scuba mm-hmm. diving with the fishies. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not but, sure because like it I does look know, like maybe, it's a little Ever- too bright and clear at the bottom. Yeah, who knows? Say. Maybe the Everglades are like that underwater. I maybe in do certain not places. Have a clue. Yeah, uh, but Jellyman rips off Donna's scuba diving mask. Oh, her name's Donna, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the end of her. 
John runs out of air in his tank, so he gets up and he's like, okay, well, now I'm going to go free dive. Right. And he does find his way into the lair. Yes, he does. Uh, but back at the house, Karen and blonde girl uh, are worried about the other girl who's like recovering upstairs. Right. So the blonde girl goes up and checks on her real quick. And then she goes into the most 1960s bedroom ever. And here is where we get the jelly man first. Like, yeah, here's that shot that you've been talking about. First, we see his feet through the oh, yeah. through the swamp. I'm walking. And then we cut to her like smoking in the 60s room. And then we cut to like. Uh, the shag carpet where he does not leave any kind of footprints, interestingly. No, which is which is crazy because we've actually seen him come out of the swamp uh, and where it's obviously grungy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I just love the, the way that this is done without showing because, you know, part of it's to, again, delay the impact of fully showing the, the head for the first <laughs> and part time. of it is probably because. You don't want to see that much of the, want, yeah. the thing. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really love the way it's done. I love that there's so many different colors of carpet in this weird little yes. beach house. <laughs> well, like, I, that room that she's in where she gets killed is so 1960s. With I can't even describe it. It's got, like, the gigantic lamps. All and the interior the decorations. brown and orange walls. It's just, like, beautiful ugliness like i i really love the really tacky over decorated interior decor that you get in some of these movies like especially 60s and 70s you see a lot of this stuff and, mm, always good yeah so she decides she's gonna have a shower in this bedroom mm-hmm. and that's when uh jelly man psychos her yeah well, comes it comes into the shower and, and comes after her and uh, strangles and her in this, there and I think we finally do see the full head here. Is this like uh, where we, we see like a saw good... it once before, but only in like a very brief right. shot. This is what actually, I mean. No, like... you're right. We see it here. We do see it here. Yes. Yeah. I think here is where we like see it proper for the first time. Yeah. So she's screaming while she's being strangled in the shower. And apparently Karen fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, John and dad just show up at the house to tell her that all the other girls are dead. Uh, the girl who's upstairs uh, recovering is actually getting worse. The blonde girl is dead, and Karen is hysterical, says John, or I don't know who says it. Someone says it. Her, him, or the dad. Hmm. And she runs away, freaking out. But who's there to bravely, heroically catch her at her time of need? Egon. Well, it's like he was maybe just recently stalking around the house in a monster suit. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, hey. And they all they all catch up with him. It's like, oh, hey, Egon, it's good that you're here. Let's all go. Let's all go to the mainland. There's something going on. Egon's like, oh, can't boat sunk. And then we just cut to the <laughs> boat like halfway underwater. He's like, I don't know how that happens. Like, yeah, uh, it's, it's strange. It's like how I just happened to be here for uh, the girl who I cursed yeah, with the boat. Yeah. Yeah, so so John's just like, okay, whatever. Well, I'm going to give you the gun. And uh, here we get another scene of Karen and Egon talking, and he keeps creepy touching her. Yeah. Um, just, just, 
because you, you're, you're the only person who understands me. It's nice to me. That means I get Karen. to touch you. <laughs> yeah, so um, the dad and John are going to the to the radio room, I guess, to to call for help. But this is actually what Egon sabotaged right at the very opening shot of the thing. He broke the radio. Right. So, and that, yeah. that's we've been waiting all the way since the opening shot for them them to catch up to it. They don't use it that very often, I guess. I guess not. And, and for us to be reminded that that's what he did. Because mm-hmm. we don't even know what it was he broke at the time. Right. Uh, and Egon, like, they make a point of leaving the door to the radio room open, and he makes a point of closing it. But I don't understand what the purpose of that is, because nobody locks this door. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so Egon, so yeah, Karen faints after Egon creeps her out too much. Oh, no, he says, I had to do it. They were no good. They were using you. And Karen's like, uh, had to do what? Are you the fucking jellyfish monster? I'm going to faint now again. He's like, oh, god damn it. You've been the jellyfish monster all along. I'm just going to faint, so I don't need to enjoy this conversation anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he uh, he takes her over to his boat and he's going to, you know, he's going to take her to his with evil. Her. Yeah, he's going to abscond with her to the evil lair. But because he closed the door, uh, John and the doctor are able to figure out that he's evil and kidnapped her. A uh, high-speed fanboat chase ensues, which is just really just an excuse to show more boats going through the Everglades, and I'll take it. Yeah, woo! Boat chase. Fanboat yeah. chase. Mm-hmm. Not, the chase itself isn't very exciting at all. but No, it's just totally ambient. I just really like the, the scenery flying by and just the oh, water yeah. and, and like all the greenery and just like... Well, like, the, this is a different kind... This is a different part of the Everglades from where the previous... Uh, like, we're seeing a different part of it, too, even. Yeah, and you got like before. just... The 60s psychedelic, kind of proto-psychedelic, poppy nonsense playing. It's great. It's just a whole vibe. Yep. Um, so, yeah, John and the professor's boat breaks down, and their stunt doubles have to get off the boat and wait in the swamp to fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, this guy has way too much hair to be the professor. Uh, yeah, they, they were not getting the professor to uh, uh, hang off the side of a boat in the Everglades and potentially get really sick. He was an older gentleman. That's true. Um, so, yeah, Egon dumps Karen in the water and takes her to the secret under the lair, underwater lair, and where he's all like, you don't like me either. You're just like the rest. And she's like, I do. I like you. I just wish you weren't so rapey. Could you just be... 87% less of a creep. You know, maybe That's a just... lot less of a creep. What's He's got left? a long ways to go, though. Uh, if I'm not a creep, what am I? But anyway, they said I was crazy, so I could make a... But I can make a giant jellyfish. Check this out. I'm going to turn into it right now. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's weird, because like, I, I think this is where we finally see the full transformation yes. Uh, which is hard Such to explain. Yeah. Yeah. Cause... So he electrocutes the aquarium where the jellyfish hangs out. He's explaining how he can make a giant jellyfish with water, electricity, and human blood. 
Right. Look so at my creation. He he's been feeding it, I guess, initially with his blood and then with the blood of his enemies. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it, it it's it's sort of a Frankenstein esque procedure. He runs electricity through the jellyfish and then he gets in the tank with it and he becomes one with it. Well, first he's like sticking his face in and it looks like he's making out with the plastic bag and the dirty aquarium. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's yeah. got to give it some love first, but yeah. He, oh yeah, because the like, jellyfish is the only one who understands him now. But it does seem to be the only thing that is done is that like there is the jellyfish and he it he puts it on his head, it merges with his head, he becomes one with it, and then somehow this makes the wetsuit generate. Yeah, <laughs> like well, it's his costume. Well, we we do see like before this happens, it's actually kind of a slow transformation because we cut to his face a few times and all this slime keeps forming. Oh yeah, it's like he's got all this foam like, on his all face. This, uh, I thought it was like the jellyfish's cum shot. Yeah, it's um, kind of grody. It's just like him getting progressively more, uh, just goo on his face, just goo. Yeah. Karen is understandably grossed out by all this, but John dives in the water and he's got this flare. Uh, so he gets, he breaks, like, yeah, he's got like this flare that can be used underwater and he finds the lab and gets in right around when Egon's finished his transformation. Yeah, and I, during the transformation, of course, we have all sorts of uh, red and green flashing lights and just oh yes, psychedelic music and stuff. It's like oh my god, ah, ah, tra- transformation. Uh, we even have like the Frankenstein thing with like the V-shaped antenna with the electricity running between it. You gotta. Uh, so yeah, it's it's him doing that sort of monster transformation, uh, and you know, John right on time. You know, classic hero to uh you know stop him right now that he is now that he is the hero uh, that he has transformed into the monster yeah so john's idea of stopping him is pointing his flare at him like it's a knife and then them circling around each other for 10 minutes it goes on a while yeah um it's like like it's a flare but it looks like a really bad knife fight well, it's not even a fight. They're just. <laughs> well, I feel like you couldn't get too close to that flare with the jellyfish head or it will melt because it's a plastic. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, like, yeah, get close enough. Get close enough. Get close enough, wuss. Get close enough, nerd. Yeah. So I guess eventually he wrestles the jellyfish down to the ground because apparently he's immune to the venom. Even though all that has to happen is he puts his hands on you and you get venomized. Yeah, but I don't get John. it. It seems like the only place, anytime we've seen him actually sting someone, I guess he touches their face. Maybe he just can't touch his face. He's not able to get his face. Oh, it only works if it's the face. Maybe I don't know. His face. Oh. So John uh, tosses the flare into the jellyfish tank, which apparently causes the jelly man to die. I don't know. He falls over, the machine overloads, and the laboratory is going to explode. It all goes down really fast. Like they they yeah. they face off for a while, and then like he blows up the machine, and I guess somehow the machine is powering him when he's the jellyfish. Like something about the ongoing electrical current is 
like some I, some element of the jellyfish is left behind in the tank when he becomes jellyfish man maybe you know what i don't uh, you know what i do like though mm. the melted jellyfish face half person effect when he's dying oh that yeah when neat. it deflates and it's just kind of melted onto him like like that looks cool it doesn't look like what would happen if that balloon deflated on him but it looks cool it just looks gross it looks like he has just melted from uh what's happened to him so they are both trying to save egon for some reason it is strange because they never seemed all that sympathetic to him they didn't they never liked him even at the best of times and now they found out that he's responsible for killing at 30 least people. 20 or 30 people, yeah, including you know? their best friends. Yeah. So, but you know, he was right about the giant jellyfish. I don't know. Um, you know, to save that valuable scientific mind so we can learn how to turn people into jellyfish monsters. I don't know. Maybe the CIA would pay a lot for that. But I don't want to tur- cure cancer. <laughs> I want to turn people into jellyfish. Can he get uh, the job? <laughs> so yeah. uh, they they both escape and the lab explodes and Goes the most up. tiny non-explosion there is is just like puff of smoke dirt underwater oh yeah because i mean it is a hidden underwater laboratory yeah and john and karen are like how could this have happened maybe someday we'll find the answer do the jitter jelly jellyfish the end is like no you have the answer you know what happened everything the mystery is solved he's literally been trying to tell you since the first time you asked it he's like i I, I know how it is right isn't that it doesn't it feel like it's the exact same thing again oh my god you're right it's like how did you become the jellyfish well i became the jellyfish because i wanted to because i'm in love with karen i guess we'll never know why he became the jellyfish yeah and they go through all and it's like huh so i wonder what that was about (laughs) (laughs) that's basically what it is um oh i guess the dad didn't die i don't know he doesn't Just, I don't think so. He just I has don't that. Think so he just, he just gone. Has, has that hilarious bump on his noggin. <laughs> oh yeah, the bump. Like it never gets mentioned again after the one conversation in the first scene. But it's so obvious looking because it's so fake. It's like, why does he have sharpie on his head? I can't get over <laughs> every scene that I'm looking at it. Yeah, like. Yeah, and, and, like he describes it as an accident in the lab, and I'm like. I, I just thought the only reason could be to set him up for a red herring, but they don't. Maybe it's just to establish that he's a scientist and works in a lab, because he never does it again. He doesn't do anything sciencey at all. Yeah, it's but yeah, it's it's a well, hell of a thing. Does John. This right. Well nobody who, does. Yeah. What they're, one they're guy partying. does a science? Well, we gotta know that they're party guys and they're not nerds like Egon. What a nerd. Oh yeah. He's yeah, a bad you're guy. Right. Uh strange movie just strange in a lot of ways really weird i I wish we saw like more of the baby jellyfish in the final fight Mm -hmm, although mm -hmm. i don't know how you'd incorporate that yeah i don't know maybe just have them like attacking him as he like just a little scene of them attacking him as he tries to get to the lab i just wanted them to come back you know right that's fair little garbage bags floating in the water Mm -hmm. 
I'd like I was like, that. oh, someone, someone like put a bunch, someone dumped a bunch of trash, and like, oh, those are baby jellyfish monsters, I guess. Uh, yeah, very strange. the The song is bad. Sometimes the, the editing is very choppy. The, oh yeah, the editing is like, the editing looks like they're trying to make humorous smash cuts, but they aren't. Well, it's it's sort of just like it it's it's not clean like it, it doesn't have the it, they're not very clean transitions and uh i i love the locations i just love all the weird everglades of all of it the pirate party boat yeah <laughs> the, the guy who decor. will not break character even when everybody's dying around him party pirate top yep. party pirate chief party pirate <laughs> give that man a raise if he survives but he doesn't Everybody dies. Uh, yeah, and just how rapidly they kill off all of those characters. And like, well, we could have just had a few scenes where he kills off them for a while. That that could have been a fun way to do it. But I guess just all of them dying at once to his minions is funny. But like like you say earlier, it also feels like a slasher movie. Yeah. We have him stalking individual people in a beach, like essentially a beach house. Yeah, you can sort of see how it, it has the bones of a slasher movie and that, like, if it weren't for that one mass kill, that it kind of just would be a slasher movie of him taking out all of these people. Yeah, like... <laughs> but the like template had Halloween. been created. Yeah, no, the, the no. template just wasn't there yet. But you can see that people are sort of already putting those pieces together. This is, you know, what, uh, 11 years before 12 years? Oh, 12, yeah, 78. Oh yeah! Wow, yeah, fascinating movie. Like, it's a weird artifact. Like, it's so specific to 1966 with the song. <laughs> it's like, it feels like. It's, I don't even want to call it a bad movie, really. No, I kind of love it. It's it's sort of a, a really interesting one. Although I will say, like, when the the little jellyfish baggies were attacking, I was laughing my ass off. Like I oh, had yeah. since I yeah. first last time I laughed that hard while watching a movie was when I first saw the giant claw. Yeah, it, it's so funny because like they, they are incredibly goofy and just like his costume when you first see full on when he's in the lit bathroom and he's got just a huge bag on his head. And, and like you can see his head in the bag. You can just see it like kind of dimly in the bag because it's sort of hard to see through the gunk and Vaseline and that they've rubbed on the outside of it. It's not the guy, and very Probably likely it's not. a stunt double. Yeah, but oh, it's it's so funny. It's, I enjoy it. Um, it's a rec- it's a recommend. It has even the even the bits where it's slow and drags are still fun. Yeah, and there's that ambient they, they, quality they to it. They've got something going for it because yeah, there, like it's there's a vibe, dragging, there's... but it's dragging somewhere interesting. And and just the all of the locations are fun, both inside and outside. Because on on the outside you have the glades, and on the inside you just have that really ridiculous interior decor. Like all of it is quite heightened everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a really good time. Are you are you interested in seeing some more of the graffes? You've got the the box there, yeah. Well, yeah, I am now actually. Yeah, I want to see what else this guy comes up with. Some cool stuff. I I think the next one is his mummy movie. Uh, Death Curse of Car- Tartu, I believe, is the next one there. That one's uh, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, okay, so uh, any final thoughts before we head to part three? Um, yeah, I'm not going to do the jellyfish. 
No. Not going to do it. Uh, or, or the monkey or a, any of those. Or things. the donkey. The, uh, uh, Don't do be a fucking donkey, monkey. Or your apes will get stolen. Yeah, you don't want to uh, do the jellyfish and get your apes stolen. All right, uh, on to part three. And we're back for our third and final section where we talk about movies we've watched in the past week and decide what we're going to watch next week. Uh, And uh, I got really ambitious this past week. uh, Oh, wow, you did. (laughs) (laughs) This might be the largest number we've had. Uh, so kind of make up for last week where we had no moves or ads because uh, we did the awards thing, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we've got 14 movies as our options. So uh, first one up is Spider-Man 2. Ooh. You've seen this before. I I've seen so this it back in the day. when it was new, yes. Okay. Uh, it holds up pretty well. I think it's one of the better superhero movies of its era, of that sort of earlier era before the uh, larger franchise model sort of developed. Back when everything didn't have to be connected to everything. Right, which you know has its benefits and has its drawbacks. Personally, I do think those are better comic book movies, at least in the early running. Like The current ones are kind of... They've maybe kind of gone downhill a little bit since then. But uh, this one is really good. I think Franco is great in it. You know, obviously the classic diner scene where it's like so good uh, is tremendous and is like easily the highlight of the movie. I think Thomas or no, no, Thomas Hayden Church. No, wait, that's three. Those that's three. I'm getting Uh, ahead of Toby McGuire. No, two. Two is the one with. Uh, uh, Molina. Oh, Molina, yes. As, as uh, Dr. Octopus, who is absolutely tremendous. Like, the character has never been better, even in the comics. Like, this is sort of the perfect iteration. Cause, just because Molina brings so much to the role. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, uh, Rosemary Harris is really good as Aunt May. Uh, Peter is... Uh, the, the best stuff is when Maguire is Peter being really dorky and not being <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's altogether better than the first uh, and way better than the third, which we'll get to. <laughs> uh, next up is Jaws 3D, which is incredibly stupid. Like, it, it's such a huge step down from two, and two was a notable step down from one. But like this one, it's like they're at SeaWorld and it's mostly a SeaWorld Orlando commercial, except at the end, Jaws gets into uh, the the theme park and just wrecks everything up entirely. And it's very uh, ridiculous. The the effects are quite bad. There's some very bad composite effects. Uh, Interestingly, it's got Dennis Quaid as the grown up Mike Brody. Oh, wow. Okay. Because the, the the sharks have followed the Brody children to SeaWorld Orlando now, because that's where of they course. work. Uh, they're both grown up now and working there. There is this one scene where they, they catch a, a, a great white shark that they think is the shark, but it turns out to be the baby of the shark. You know, it's one of those things. Right, and it's right. like, this is just the baby. And then, you know, they're attacked by the huge one for the rest of the movie. Of course. But the the the... 
the lady who takes care or who's in charge of the sharks uh, wants it kept in isolation because, you know, it's sort of a rare thing to have a great white in captivity. Uh, but then the the mercenary guy who runs the place, who's a really big character, uh, puts it on display and you have it going in circles, sort of pacing uh, in public. And it just gets so upset that in the middle of it doing a twirl, it just turns upside down and dies. <laughs> and, and like, I it just it just instantly dying of anxiety of being around too many people as sort of like the echo of the anxiety attack of the first one. I, I've been laughing about it the entire week. Like every time I think of that shark, just like doing the curve around and then turning upside down because it's so anxious, it died. I've laughed over and over about it for this entire week. And it just never stops being fun. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Uh, Is it amazing enough to justify watching a whole movie? I don't know, because, like, it is honestly pretty bad, but it's kind of bad in funny ways. So, you know, it's 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 hit and miss. Like, the effects are tremendously bad. It's so 3D. Like, they're really, really working the 3D into it. And I hate that. It's not 3D because, you know, I don't have it in a 3D version. I don't have a 3D TV. We have TVs. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's it's strange. But, you know, the SeaWorld location is a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, just cool. like as a location for a horror movie. Uh, next up is Scream. Uh, not that Scream. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't remember the poster looking like that. So this is from the first wave slasher era. Uh, and it's just called Scream. Uh, I It's it's a supernatural slasher. And it's this, this rafting exp- expedition, which is led by Ethan Wayne, son of John Wayne, his oh. debut role. Oh, interesting. Uh, Is he a better person? I have no idea. Oh. Uh, he, he, so he's a younger guy, and I, I, I guess he never acted during his dad's lifetime because this is eighty-one. Right, right. And I think his, I think John Wayne died just like a couple years before that. Uh, but yeah, he's he's the guy leading the rafting excursion, and they they get lost, and or they they get they 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 miss their contact or something. So they're staying in this ghost town. Uh, and uh, Woody Strode, you know, classic Western guy. You've also got Hank Warden, another like classic Western dude. One of the one of the guys on the res uh, the the rafting expedition is the dude who bullied Superman in Superman Two. Oh, okay. When cool. he was like stuck being just Peter Parker, and then like at the end, Superman shows up and like punches him through time or something. You know? <laughs> and he's very obnoxious here. He's like just yelling at his wife the whole movie. Uh, it's kind of totally incoherent. Most of the kills basically just happen off screen. I honestly <laughs> don't even know what happened at the end of the movie. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the ghost of Woody Strode. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Uh, next up is Story of a Cloistered Nun. Uh, the next in the nunsploitation box. Right, right. <laughs> Continuing the nundle. Um, <laughs> uh, so th- this one's very heightened weirdness. It opens with two babies getting married to each other. Because it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's one of these arranged marriages to solidify a contract between right. a family. 
And, right, right, right. you know, we cut to the future where the girl does not want to marry this guy. So she's put in a nunnery. Uh, and in the nunnery, she does not like it, and it's bad, and everybody is mean to her and wants to humiliate her and also have sex with her. And yeah, it's it's a whole strange thing. You know, it's it's a it's an exploitation movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the show, but every not time really I hear into the it. Word, no, 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 not that. Um, every time <laughs> I hear the word nunnery, I keep thinking mm. it's like a cannery, like like a place where they produce nuns but i know intellectually that's not the case but that's always the first place my brain goes when i when i uh hear that where like like they can their nuns in a factory right i mean to extent it is kind of where they make their nuns i mean i (laughs) guess so they they develop them through pressure over time uh yeah i don't know this one wasn't like this one's weird because it sort of is a little bit more serious but it's also still pretty sleazy so when it tries to take its subject matter more seriously and kind of tries to lean into the more tragic nature of things it's like you were really sleazy like 15 minutes ago and i'm not <laughs> buying it so it's, it's sort of a weird mix uh, all next, right <laughs> next up is surf nazis must die oh must they I mean, definitely, certainly. Well, all Nazis must, but anyway. Uh, it, yeah, it was... This was, uh, th- that was actually Lloyd Kaufman's suggestion uh, for the movie, because like originally it was just titled Surf Nazis, but uh, Lloyd Kaufman, who runs Troma, who picked up the movie to distribute it, suggested like, could we add Must Die to the end of that title so I that do we don't think, think that it's is promoting surf Nazis? Yes. And you're like, yeah, uh, okay, that's a good idea. I agree with <laughs> that needed to happen, yes. Because the surf Nazis are indeed the villains of this movie. Uh, there's, it's, it's sort of set in a dystopian California. I, I, I don't know how futuristic it is or how post-apocalyptic it is, but it, the, the thing is, there's this really big earthquake, so all of the police are really distracted, and this neo-Nazi surf gang just decides to take over the beaches entirely. Okay. Uh, but they kill this one dude, and his mom, Mama Washington, uh, is coming to get revenge. And uh, nothing's going to stop her. Right. She's just this this tough older lady, and uh, <laughs> she uh, gets her revenge. That's, that's kind of fun. <laughs> Ooh, she she makes the surf the surf Nazis die. She she has to make them pay. Uh, it it takes a while for that to happen, though. To be fair, like it's oh, it, okay. It, it's okay. it's a little slow getting to the point where she's getting her revenge, but her revenge is fun. Cool. Right on. Next up is X. The Man with the X-Ray Eyes. Uh, this is sort of a, a classic Roger Corman picture. It has a classic actor, Ray Milland, who is a doctor working on X-Ray Vision Serum. Oh, okay. Because the thing is, he wants to be able to look inside of people live as a doctor and be able to make an expert diagnosis without having to rely on uh how x-ray machines can you know it's it's hard to read them you, the, right. different things could mean you know it could be a smudge rather than a carcinoma or whatever it, well yeah yeah and it's uh that is a very good reason to want x-ray vision right and you know it's the 50 or it's it's 63 so uh you know i i think x-ray technology was probably less fully developed by that point oh, as well very too. likely so, you know, he's taking it himself because they're canceling the experiments and they want him to move on to something else. But he's obsessed uh, and it works. But, 
he kind of like people don't believe him that it works and then he demonstrates that it works and then people kind of uh think well it's unethical the way he did it and then he gets a fight and he accidentally pushes someone out a window and he has to go on the run oh no <laughs> a, a guy accidentally gets pushed out a window to his death so he's on the run for murder and he's hiding out in a carnival uh and uh he's getting exploited by don rickles okay you know, classic insult comedian Don Rickles. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. He's the guy at the carnival who is like, he he's exploiting him to like, you know, sort of run a, a health scam with people locally. Uh, but the thing is, he's continuing to abuse these eye drops and he's seeing more and more and seeing further and further. And he's starting like we we get basic POV shots of just the psychedelic nature of his reality peeling away over time. Uh, and it, it it gets pretty great. Uh, right on. It's it's a very weird existential ending. Cool, cool. Uh, next up is Spider Man Three. Oh, this one I have not seen. I didn't see it in theaters. Like I intentionally avoided it, and then I never really got around to seeing it since. The toxic reputation for this one hit pretty fast. Uh, I did see it in theater, knowing that. It was not well liked, and I didn't like it, and I still don't like it. Uh, it like it has its moments, and I've always sort of defended part of it because I do think, uh, as I was saying before, because I was thinking of the other one, Franco is absolutely hilarious in most of the movie. He's doing a lot. Uh, the, the the diner scene where he says so good, uh, and then uh, Toby Maguire goes outside and looks back, and Franco does just a perfect troll face at him <laughs> like like the meme troll face the the meme troll face like he looks back and like he turns his head to the side mm-hmm. and in profile and he just like does that Wait, smile when did this come out uh this is 2007 ish 2007 ish it's it's perfect uh and then like you know that that's sort of my perfect scene in the movie but uh I I do think Thomas Hayden Church is really fun as Sandman he like this is just after sideways so he's bringing a lot of gravitas to this uh villain who's you know made of sand and the sandman effects are really good that's see that's another thing i thought was interesting cuz i always figured sandman was like kind of like on spider-man's b list of villains well, he's interesting because he's the first Marvel villain who turned into a good guy. Oh, like, I, oh, okay. I didn't like know he, that. He had switched to being a good guy by the 80s when I was starting to read comics. So he, he's sort of this interesting one of he was a classic villain who was sort of there from the beginning and was a major villain in the early days. But then he he was sort of only in it because, you know, he, he was a struggling guy. He was a thief and he was trying to deal with his family. And it really never had anything to do with like him being a bad guy. He never was looking for power. Uh, so he ultimately like he had a heart to heart with the thing in this one issue of the thing. And like they just went drinking together and uh, he realized he's not that bad of a guy. And he helps him to turn over a new leaf and get a good job and stuff. It's weird. Interesting. That's cool. But none of that happens here. No, none of that happens here because this <laughs> is his origin story. But ultimately he is kind of a good-hearted guy. Okay. Uh, you also have Topher Grace as Venom, who's playing him as Tobey Maguire, basically, <laughs> which is 
also really interesting, but I feel like all of the Venom stuff is not well done. The black suit stuff is very silly. Like he does the thing where he brushes his hair forward into the emo swoop, uh, which is oh, just bad. Oh yeah, it does the dance number. Yeah. And just the ending is a complete train wreck. I, I feel like it, it feels like they just ran out of planning or the, the script was rushed or something because it's like there's literally a scene where they're they go to a news guy and he's like, we cut to uh, the end of the movie already in progress. Basically <laughs> just like yeah. all, everything's already happening. It's like, Oh, okay. I guess this is where we're concluding. And if all of it just bad. tuning in. The Spider-Man has just remembered uncle Ben telling him great power comes great responsibility. Let's cut to uncle Ben telling him that in the car again. You just, uh, but no, it does have as... that. Oh. It does that. I it was, literally I has a scene like that's part of the emotional Batman's parents. Really? We yeah, no. No, yeah, no, it legitimately does <laughs> the again. Because so that's this is my biggest problem with the movie, which is not all of the stuff that people complain about, you know, emo Toby and uh, yeah. the all of that, well, which is kind of goofy, I could, but I it's I could a kind get of fun. I'm bored with emo Toby, honestly. Yeah. I don't in hate it. This is the thing I hate the most. Uh, well, other than just the train wreck of an ending, which is just garbage, and it totally uh, wastes Venom as a character uh, and everything. But uh, they decide to make Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman, having been the one who killed Uncle Ben, actually. Which negates some things that in the negates... first movie that were important and uh, makes, I don't know, it's just a mess. And it's so, so that means excessively that convenient. Big important lesson that makes him a hero is irrelevant well you know it's sort of yeah because like the, there's the whole thing with him meeting the guy personally and yeah no it's it's a mess and, it's it's huge yeah because he's supposed disaster. to be like, no, i'm not gonna stop you from getting i'm not gonna stop this guy and help the cops oh right. i should have because he killed my uncle uh it turns out he didn't kill my uncle so i was right to let him go well and then he uh, kills him Remember, because he killed him in that first movie. Oh, because uh, he, you know, he throws him out a window. I, I don't remember that, but I, oh. I also haven't seen the first movie in a very long time either. Yeah, I mean, like he sort of lets him fall out a window, but he he basically throws him through a window to his death. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I don't know. It's it's this whole emo <laughs> thing. It's it's kind of a huge train wreck. There are things about it that I think are interesting, but it's not fun. Most of the time, like some of okay. it is and some of it is just like, yeah, I've seen the memes, you know? <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man's got to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up is Island of the Fishmen. Uh, so this is sort of a, a, a an Island of Dr. Moreau type thing because there's okay. a, a mad do- mad doctor on a voodoo island. But they're, it's it's Atlantis or it's like a, a, a remaining shard of Atlantis because the fishmen are uh, they're they're like the last remnants of Atlantis and the, they're like the the super evolved fishmen who who used to be the Atlanteans and uh, the, this guy is trying to study them uh, and it's these prisoners who have been shipwrecked on the island are being hunted by uh, the fishmen and of course then they hang with the mad scientist but that's you know dangerous too and it just yeah. keeps getting consistently stranger and stranger as it goes on until i kind of don't know what was going on at the end or how everything fit together okay uh complicatedly strange after a while uh next up is contraband this is a uh, lucio fulci 
who's a, a major horror guy. He did like zombie, most notably, aka zombie flesh eaters. Right, right. Uh, and it's extremely violent. Uh, this is uh, it, it's like very gory because this is from the same time, like right in the middle of his big horror cycle. So just like it's a violent drug smuggling uh, boat gangsters gang war, which is tons and tons of bloody squibs. Like y- you've seen mm-hmm. uh, Goodfellas, right? No, I haven't. How about The Godfather? No. Oh my god. Because like b- both of those that's a have... real blind spot for me. I guess All maybe it's more right. I guess that's more so Godfather. There's this famous sequence of just uh, a whole bunch of people getting gunned down, like a montage. Oh, I and think I think I've heard of that or seen yeah, the video. This movie kind of feels like that stretched into movie form. <laughs> It's just okay. a lot of people getting gunned down all the time and just a huge gang war. And like, there's one guy who just wants to take over all of the gangs. Uh, but we're following this one smuggler, this one capo who just doesn't want to let go. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's extremely bloody. Interesting. Next up is the Sentinel, uh, where this lady moves into this beautiful, old new york brownstone but like the neighbors are all really weird uh and like she's invited to a cat's birthday party and they're all just like really strange to her and then it turns out none of them actually exist it's like she goes to the 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 real estate agent like these neighbors are all kind of hard to take and they keep showing up in my own apartment and i can't seem to get rid of them it's like nobody else lives there uh let's let's go look into this and it turns out they're all uh the souls of murderers and that the house is on the gateway to hell <laughs> okay <laughs> and basically the the catholic church is press ganging her into service as the nun who's going to guard the gates of hell until <laughs> she dies a uh, well. very strange movie it's it's so it's michael winner who's like the death wish guy who did like I mean, a bunch of Charles Bronson revenge movies in the seventies. If that's what you got to do to afford a house in New York city, that's what you got to do, I guess. I mean, completely. And like, they give her like, she's like, hey, it's a little expensive. And they like knock another hundred dollars off the price. It's <laughs> like, oh. okay. Yeah. It's, For it's another like, hundred bucks. I'll go with like $400 a month. And like, it's a, a beautiful classic brownstone. Like it is gorgeous. Uh, and yeah, like what Mer- Burgess Meredith is the guy who has the cat and who, I don't know, he's a murderer. They're all <laughs> murderers. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very weird. Like, so yeah, Michael Winner, he, the, the death wish guy, it's very blunt and obvious, but it's part of that wave of Satan exploitation movies from the seventies, you know, like, uh, uh, it's got a lot of Rosemary's baby and a lot of the exorcist in it. Like it's clearly trying to do those movies but with the the bluntness of a a death wish it's very weird all right next up is inspector ike uh now i'm looking at the the poster of this and uh i can i I wonder if i can guess what kind of movie this is well give it a shot uh is this gonna be a black exploitation film oh it is it is not. Uh, this is a new movie. This is in, from 2020. This 2020. is going to be 70s. It is. It's styled after the 70s. So it's it's sort of a parody of 70s 
mellow TV detectives. Okay. So it's like one episode of it because like, you know, the classic Columbo episodes were TV movies. So they were like feature length. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, we, sh- we should totally do Columbo. Like I have the whole series and they are all, each of them is like a TV movie. We should do Columbo as a series. Hell uh, yeah, let's throw yeah, it in I, there somewhere. I, I will completely add it in. So Inspector Ike, he is New York's greatest detective, and uh, he's investigating a murder in the avant-garde theater scene of New York. And there's, you know, it's it's a very convoluted uh, murder that we see play out before he arrives. My okay. absolute favorite part of it is there's a mock opening sequence, you know, an opening credit sequence, and it's just a bunch of uh, people. Uh, opening up things and being surprised that it's a pair of handcuffs. And then like, (laughs) he is the person, it turns out that he was the person in disguise who handed it to them. And he like holds up a champagne glass. So like, okay. Cause on the poster, he's holding up a champagne glass. My absolute favorite one is there's a kid who's opening up a pre who like Santa hands him a present and he opens up the present and the present is handcuffs. And he looks up and it's inspector Ike with the Santa hat and beard on and holding up a champagne glass. I was <laughs> laughing so hard at it that like I had to pause the movie. Uh, and there, there's a sequence where like he pauses the movie for like five minutes and like goes over his chili recipe. So- <laughs> Because like it's it's like the so the gimmick of the show. The <laughs> well, not even that. Like it's it's the gimmick of the show, quote unquote. Like this this fictional show that. Uh, oh, okay. You, every episode he uh, gives uh, a recipe to to people, and like he walks them through it, and then uh, he and the suspect eat, and he he like <laughs> then uh, you know reveals how he knows stuff or whatever you know. Oh, okay. So this would be like. In another show, this would be the equivalent of the um, uh, don't let strangers touch your private parts section or the, the, the what is it? The knowing it's half the battle. No, it's or, this is part like, of this is in the midst of things. This is more oh, him this is interrogating the, the suspect like this is him oh, grilling okay. the suspect, but by making him a meal and like confining him to a space for like hours He's like, hey, I just happen to be going by with all of these uh, ingredients. Do you mind if I slow cook a pot of uh, chili in your house for four hours? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Why would you say yes to that? Because <laughs> he's a he's a suspect. Uh, yeah, it's 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 strange. It's pretty fun. Um, uh, like I I feel like maybe some of the avant garde theater stuff is a little big, but you know it's, it's pretty fun. It sounds like it. Sounds like it. Uh, next up is Games of Survival. Uh, which is like an an 80s direct-to-video battle royale type thing. Right, right. Uh, so the, these reptilian aliens have gathered a bunch of criminals from, I guess, a bunch of different planets. So they're like alien criminals from a bunch of, they all seem to be Earth, but they're like post-apocalyptic Earths. And all of these are just humans, but like <laughs> they're dressed as barbarians or like, you know, post-apocalyptic wasteland guys. Because, like, one of them's out running a, a tank in the first one. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're dropped into 1980s American L.A. Uh, to fight over a knobbly ball to the death. You know, they, they all, you know, it's capture the flag. you you got to have right. the ball and everybody else needs to die. Of course, of course. Uh, th- this was an early Red Letter Media one. 
very early on they covered this. I don't know if it was best of the worst, but uh, it has some pretty wild stunts uh, and just endless, endless, endless fight scenes. I, I feel like they collapse time and space and I'm still watching them. <laughs> what? All right. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know what to pick. <laughs> well, uh, still next, not done. We've just got two more. Uh, next up is Halloween 2. Uh, Michael Myers could be anywhere after the end of the Oh, no, actually, he's over there. Don't worry. He's over there. Exactly the problem with the movie. Uh, to me, I consider it non-canon for exactly that purpose. Uh, for my purposes, 1 and 3 are the only canonical Halloween movies, and those are the ones I mainly watch. I don't usually dip out of the rest. Uh, well, yeah, 3, because 3 was its own. It's, right. 3 is its own thing, and 1 is a masterpiece. Yeah, and three is its own thing, and as well, it just kind of very quietly ties itself into it by having uh, the the store that Michael Myers stole the masks from is uh, the store that the guy who sells the masks who gets murdered at the start of the of Halloween three owns the same right, hardware right. store. Yes, I, I the, the daughter that. and all of that. Yeah, uh, so yeah. those are the only two that uh, count to me. But uh, Halloween two, being non-canon. I still enjoy it. Like it's much more of a basic slasher. It's like it starts during the ending of part one and just continues on the rest of that night. Him continuing to kill people in the neighborhood, making his way to the hospital where Jamie Lee is, uh, you know, because she got stabbed. So she's being treated for wounds. Right. And, you know, just killing a bunch of people at the hospital for the rest of the movie. It's, uh, you know, it does its thing. You got Jamie Lee back. You got Donald Pleasance back. Yeah. Um. Did, did John Carpenter do this one? Um, he wrote it and he did the score, but he didn't direct it. Uh, okay. So, yeah, it doesn't have the style. Uh, it has some of it. Like, you still get the score, and that's a big part of it. You, you need the score for Halloween. Yeah. Well, you don't have it in the other ones. Like, three what? to three forward. Well, okay, you, like, three you'll doesn't have. have yeah, three, well, three doesn't need the Halloween. Well, three, theme, but, but... Th- but three does have a Carpenter score. Four. Oh forward does not uh carpenter does not return again until the 20th. oh yeah that's right they just use like i think they use some variations on it yeah yeah because they still use the theme tune at, or at sort least of they use version h2o of used variants of, of it yeah. yeah yeah uh lesser versions i think uh but yeah th- this one's not bad but i i do consider it to be a much more ridiculous version uh and the ending is just insane, like very crazy, and it does kill off a couple major characters that they decided to unkill off uh, <laughs> with the next one, with number four, when they decided to continue it being Michael Myers, because everybody got upset about three not being Michael Myers, because they were like, we've finished that. We really finished that. Oh, so this is one where it's like, oh, yeah, the Michael Myers story should definitely be done now. Yeah, like in in the first one, it's like it's great because it's open ended. Number two is like, okay, this is a fantasy movie where now we very firmly end it the next day. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mixed, mixed feelings. (laughs) I like my like I said, only one in three count. Uh, I feel all of the other ones are uh, mixed to bad. I'm. Planning on probably watching through all of them again in the next little bit, though. Okay, right on. Just because, um, because I did all the Halloween, I did all the Friday the Thirteenth recently. 
Well, I mean, I'm curious about some of the newer ones. Right. Because uh, I've seen most of like the, the 90s ones, I think. Yeah, those aren't any good. They're not, uh, no. And, and we watched the 2018 one. I haven't watched Halloween Kills yet. I'm thinking I'm going to do all of them and then Halloween Kills. Cool. Truly really feel it. Uh, last up is Expect No Mercy. Well, this is a baby mercy is unexpectable. Unexpectable. Uh, this is a an elusive Canadian martial arts picture. Really? Uh, starring, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> starring Mr. Tybo himself, Billy Blanks. No way. <laughs> uh, uh, it's uh, so it, it's it's set at University of Toronto or not actually University of Toronto, but it's a pretty much entirely shot there. Uh-huh. Uh, it's playing the Virtual Arts Academy because it's a martial arts academy that's like VR. So they fight like simulations and stuff. It's basically like they play a Mortal Kombat tournament to uh, become better fighters. Very, very <laughs> bad effects. Very silly uh, so... VR effects. Ver- to me, in 2020, what is it, 2022, Virtual mm. Martial Arts Academy means Martial Arts Academy work from home on Zoom. Yeah, it's weird, but they have to go to, like, this huge concrete edifice to do it, except, like, they wear VR helmets and, and fight Mortal Kombat sprites. Because uh, this is 1995, okay. so... Uh, also made in Canada. Uh, expect really bad effects. Very cheap. Direct to video, also. Mm, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's uh, Billy Blanks and Jalal Murhai are going undercover in this academy, which is secretly a breeding or like a, a training program for hitmen. Oh, oh of course. Yeah. Uh, they're members of the Federal Service Agency. <laughs> Uh, notably, uh, not the best name of a no. service agency. There's definitely scarier ones out there. I, I, I thought that was pretty funny, though. Uh, there is a cameo by Lazar Rockwood. Remember from Beyond the Seventh Door? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, he uh, was the professor? No, he was the guy, like the, the, the dude who had to take a smoke and take a long break to think about it. <gasps> oh, oh. Um, for proceeding. I'm thinking of beyond a different door the one with okay. the train beyond yeah, beyond the no, door three is, no lazar is, rockwood canadian uh yeah kind of um like legend tommy was so in the escape room very yes exactly <laughs> him uh he has a small role in this as one of the vr techs and the hero girl <laughs> kicks him in the head it was really funny <laughs> nice, i was like oh my nice. god it's it's lazar i was, was oh, kind of right happy on. to see him so yeah those are the 14 oh. options we have this week that's a lot. Um, so, <laughs> God, what do I even... Right now, it's between the X-Ray one and Inspector Ike. Okay, and those are both I'm... very interesting. Yeah, and I think I'm going to go with uh, Inspector Ike this time. All right, so like a brand new one. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a very interesting little thing. Uh, I, I would watch more episodes of Inspector Ike. Right on. Cool. Okay, so we also have a handful of additions because, you know, we, we moved quite a bit of stuff around. Yep. Uh, so first up, uh, you know, next from the Nun box, we have images in a convent. 
this one is supposed to be the sleaziest one in the box. This is from Joe D'Amato. Uh, I think we've watched some Joe D'Amato. Uh, Maybe. Endgame might have been a Joe D'Amato. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's his take on none stuff. Uh, this is one that is marked adult by uh, <laughs> oh. by Letterboxd. Uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, there there's a wounded man who's found on the grounds of a convent and he's brought inside. And, you know, everyone's desire just goes insane, obviously. Of course. Runs. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, Endgame was Joe D'Amato, yes. Oh, OK, OK. Oh, that's right. I yeah, I didn't like that one. You were not a fan of that one, no. Uh, next up is Murder in a Blue World which is an Italian knockoff of Clockwork Orange. Oh, okay, cool. Like, so unabashedly so that its uh, other title is Clockwork Terror. Oh, all right. Uh, but yeah, so you, you've got some droogs running around uh, causing mischief, uh, but it's a giallo, and there's also this nurse running around who's sort of an, uh, a mercy killer, angel of death type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I, all of those things put together. I, I haven't seen it, but it looks kind of wild. Cool, cool. And next up is The Hunter Will Get You. Well, I hope uh, he doesn't. <laughs> so this stars uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo, a really great French actor, a classic dude. Uh, he's playing a French spy who's tracking down this bank robber slash serial killer who's basically doing the uh, Christopher Nolan Joker thing. He hires groups of young men to commit the robberies, and then he kills them and takes the money. Mm, right, right. So, yeah, uh, Belmondo is going undercover to track down the guy and uh, get him. He's the hunter, and he'll get him. Cool. <laughs> he, he will get him. Uh, next up is The Man from Planet X. A, a classic 50s sci-fi uh, on a remote foggy Scottish island there are these scientists who are tracking this rogue planet that may collide with Earth <laughs> uh, yeah okay and an alien shows up and you know they have to figure out what his deal is alright uh, next up is Shock uh, this one was released as Beyond the Door 2 Oh, okay, yeah. So the train right. one is Beyond the Door Three. Right. Uh, there, there's no actual relation between these movies beyond all sort of broadly being exorcist riffs in in some sort of way. Okay. The first one is most obviously an exorcist slash omen riff. Uh, this one is a Mario Bava film, one of the the legendary Italian horror directors, uh, especially for uh, putting a lot of color on the screen sort of what he's best known for right i've we've seen something of his uh i'm not sure I'm sure i definitely remember the name because i remember thinking about making a joke in a going to make a joke in one of our episodes about going it's a me mario bava but i never did it and now i did it and it's bad and i shouldn't have uh yeah i'm not sure because like uh, i've watched a bunch of no i thought about it but uh yeah we never we never did because i no, actually certain, i have watched a few of his in the past year but i don't think we've covered one uh but yeah th this is one of his uh it's about this lady who's 
uh, son is possessed by the spirit of her dead ex-husband. Oh, wait, uh, which, oh. which is just a nightmare. Yeah, and he, yeah, he's that's a problem. Being a pain in the ass. Uh, and uh, last one is no resistance, which is uh, this is a shot on video, a <laughs> cyberpunk movie, an early '90s cyberpunk movie. Okay, cool. And it's about a junkie criminal in a post-apocalyptic wasteland who has his super laptop and he can just hack his way into anything in dystopian future Houston. Hmm, right on. Uh, but, you know, like made on a direct-to-video or shot-on-video budget yeah. in the 90s, uh, which, you know, makes it probably 99% better than it would be if it were like an asylum production. <laughs> Okay, so uh, what are your thoughts for our main feature next week? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Uh, that Donna Reed movie got me uh, wanting to see more badass girls in awesome costumes murdering shitty people. And I, But I don't know what – I know that Female Prisoner 701 will get me that, but is there anything else on here that might? Let's see. Uh, I, I don't recall the name. I've been looking for it. I actually don't remember what the name of the next movie in that series is, and I can't find it on here. Uh, but I, I know that's, that's one of the things that will get me what I want right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could certainly do uh, the second Female Prisoner 701. Maybe it, it uh, just accidentally is not on the list because I don't see it either. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm just looking through the rest of the list to see if there's anything of that nature here. I mean, there is Come Drink With Me. I'm actually looking at that right now. Which um, is a female swords uh sword uh sword expert uh who's trying to rescue her kidnapped brother. Okay. Uh and um, she's she's undercover, so like she's in disguise as a man. Oh, dude. Okay, let's do that. Come drink with me? Yeah, let's do it. Um, All right. I'm, so that's... I'm just looking at the picture. I'm like, yeah, I could I could watch her killing people with a sword. Yeah, so this is directed by King Hu, who's one of like – and this is a Shaw Brothers one. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, uh, those... Not from the Shaw Scope set, but like a separate one. Yeah, th- those uh, have King... been super fun. Oh, totally. Uh, and King Hu is sort of one of the originators of the genre. So this is a wuxia. As well, I think, or at least that's what he's known for. Maybe this is a Kung Fu that he did for the Shaw Brothers before kind of leaving. Like, I think this was his last movie he did with Shaw. Okay. Uh, So, yeah. uh, Oh, yeah. No, it can't be Kung Fu because this is 66 and Kung Fu didn't start yet. Uh, So, yeah, this will be a wuxia. Uh, All right. So that'll be fun. Next week we'll be covering... uh, Come drink with me and Inspector Ike, who's also offering up a champagne flute in greeting. <laughs> or is it in threat? Another themed week. Oh. <laughs> is she offering it in greeting or in threat? I guess we'll have to find out. She like uh, lifts up her robes and there's a pair of handcuffs and like Inspector Ike. <laughs> and then, like, uh... oh, I bet that's going to be really funny once I watch these movies. <laughs> Okay, uh, so thanks so much for listening, as always. Uh, do you have any last thoughts? Yeah, uh, any um, last thoughts before we close for the evening? No, I'm good. Just more, more people need to just kind of 
carry more of the maybe more people don't need to carry around whips in everyday life but i also i kind of want them to but they shouldn't it depends who it depends who i i'm i'm just like literally sitting here still gritting thinking about that fucking shark (laughs) (laughs) the shark with the oh the shark just turning upside down and like oh i can't handle this at the very least i gotta look that up on youtube if Uh, if we're not gonna do jaws 3d i have to at least see that I feel we should watch the other two sometime, but yeah, you should see that scene and I recommend anyone to see that scene. Cause like, I don't know if it's real, but like, it's just, it's, it's almost perfect comic timing of just like, it's coming around the curve and like, as it's like just getting to the point where it's facing the camera, it just turns upside down and continues gliding like with the momentum, the same momentum it had. And just like, I don't know. Like I, it, it just I, I couldn't stop laughing at it in the moment. I may have been a little bit stoned, but <laughs> to be fair, but yeah, it's it's stuck with me since then. Oh, right uh, on. So thanks everyone. Uh next week, uh as as said, uh Come drink with me. Come drink with me and Inspector Ike. Come uh, drink with me and Inspector Ike. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thanks everyone again. Uh, we're into year two. Oh my god! Oh my god! We've actually we've done a whole year of this. I can't. I I honestly cannot believe it. Um, yeah, thank you to everyone who's been listening to us. Uh, yeah, here, here's to here's to many more. Yeah. I'm, pretend I'm holding up a champagne glass. <laughs> thanks everyone, and uh, don't do the jellyfish. <laughs>